No. I'm a fan of lights flickering. I'm a fan of <laughs> microphone tests. I'm a fan of ear infections and coughing into the microphone. <laughs> I'm a fan of hoodies. I'm a fan of rosé. Uh, I'm like sweaty because I cycled. I'm a fan of perspiration after cycling. I'm so sweat. <laughs> My body is sweaty. My body. My body. I need to rewatch my entire high school. Such a good Sinking movie. into the sea. Such a good Y'all film. stan. I do. I stan really hard. do. I think about it frequently. Me, yeah. Me, yeah. Me, yeah. I good love movie. Me, yeah is a good phrase. We it should, is. We should, we should popularize that. Me? I still haven't seen the picture myself. See the picture. Give it a rent. Is it available to rent online? I'm it sure is. it must be. Is but the I frame don't know cropped? For sure. I don't know. I don't know. Buy the Blu-ray. Pretty sure my Holy frame shit. was cropped for Schindler's List. <laughs> Talk about that later. It's on, on, Netflix. on Netflix. Oh well, then it wasn't. I watched Schindler's it. List. I watched it is on. on Netflix. I watched it on Netflix. Yeah, Netflix is. In my Wait, then what did I watch that was cropped? Oh, Three Colors Blue. I had to buy. Oh. And, th- and this is this has happened a couple times, and I'm sure that y'all can relate. But well, no, y'all can't relate because y'all don't pay for your movies. <laughs> but movies like Three Colors Blue, which were on Filmstruck. And which I started watching like a year ago, mm-hmm. but it, I, it was like midnight when I started it and I got 30 minutes. And I'm like, this is great, but I have to go to bed now. Um, I'm like losing money left and right, having to yeah. pay for these classic films, these Criterion editions. I guess with the Criterion channel, that might change, but yeah. I don't, I need, I don't understand the Criterion channel. Neither do I, but I'm a, I'm a like, charter member nonetheless. It's like through charter, but what does, like, what do I need to do? It's like, sort of, I don't get it. It's sort of that thing where parents always show up to their children's plays and they clap even though it's shit. That's mm. how I feel about Criterion with all streaming services. I'm like, Criterion channel, it's amazing. Yeah. Like, is it actually like, does it actually work? Is there a functionality? Mm. I have no idea, but I yeah. support it. Yeah. They're Same. trying. I, I like know. seeing them try. Is it out? It's not out yet. No. Well, you can be a charter. <clears throat> Criterion Channel can Venmo us. Uh, how many editions do they have? Like 912? They, they can, can Venmo, Venmo us $912. Yes. yes. $2 for Blu-rays. Mm. Um, you can be a charter member, and it gives mm. you access to one movie a week. They change the movie every week. It's been like Chunking Express. It was Stalker. No, 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 no. This is, this is, let me finish. This is for the charter members before the service launches oh, in April. Oh, Yeah. No, it's not like, oh, like, like, what if movie, but one, thir- mo- yeah. but one thirtieth of the content. Movie, but for one twice, movie For twice month. the price. But we stand, we support the Criterion channel. Is that Claude Dubois? Mm-hmm. Classic. I worked with a, a set medic a couple of years ago who loved Claude Dubois. Is That's, it good? It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking. It's like a nice seven dollar. We were talking. We were talking about cheap bottles of wine, like not Trader Joe's cheap, but like Ralph's cheap. Yeah. Um, like the more the 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 more ubiquitous varietals. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I tell you what, I'll get a I'll get a Claude Bois Cabernet on a Friday night. Sit, stay in and watch some sports. I'm a happy man. Yeah. I was like, Chris, you do you. It's good. It's good. What do you? Yeah. What are you having, Brandon? Some rosé. My entire high school is on Netflix. I'm very oh, excited. Oh, fantastic. Well, Can't wait to tune in. I'm Same. Make a note to watch. Wow. Log on. I don't know. I have a rosé. What's? What I don't know. What it? Go- it was also a nice like seven dollar brand. We started the microphone before we discussed, but I know this is supposed to be also an Oscar recap episode. No. But I'd rather 
I have no. I, I just can't. I'm it's done. too far gone. It, I, and it's over. Here's the it's thing. Too bleak. No, that, I don't even. Th- <laughs> I don't even think it's too far gone because I think about. I mean, this is a bad example because when Moonlight won, that was the most exciting. In my opinion, the most exciting. We we all ranked at one point, so I think I'm the only. Everyone had like Moonlight in their top five. I think like most exciting best picture wins of the last such and such years. But Moonlight, like, I was sobbing that night. Like, I had a lot of feelings to work out for weeks, like, positive feelings for weeks to come. Like, mm-hmm. I was talking, we were all talking about that win, like, six months after it happened with Green Book. It's just, like, the sooner we can just pretend this never happened, the better. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it's already the most embarrassing Best Picture win of our lifetimes. It is easily... Here's the thing. Well, I was alive during Driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> You're old. Mm-hmm. Wait, what alive. year was Driving Miss Daisy? 89, so the ceremony would have been 90. Do we think Driving Miss oh, Daisy was no. alive? Yeah, that's right. Do we think I was six months old. Do we th- I was not yet born. Silence of the Lambs was the first uh, nice. winner when I was born. Um, do Hell we yeah. think Driving Miss Daisy is a worse movie than Green Book? I've never I seen, seen I've it. Never seen I've never it. seen it. But as I've... Either. I have proclaimed I'm going to watch the rest of the Best Actress winners Jessica I've never Tandy seen. Is I think it's, I I think it's it. worse... Because it's oh, you've a movie. Seen it. No, no, no. Oh. But I just this is speaking without having seen it. But it's just well, it welcome feels to the podcast. worse. Green Book. Green Book feels worse because it's the year 2019. Um, I agree. That's fair. No, I agree. And, and we should be totally fair beyond that. It's not. It's not even a matter. Like you're not giving Driving Miss Daisy a pass because of course it's the famous Driving Miss Daisy do the right thing year. Like. Okay. People like artists were making movies about America in 1990 or whatever it was when it mm-hmm. comes to race relations. Mm-hmm. Like these movies, like these voices, and of course, like it didn't start with Spike Lee. Like mm-hmm. this is something that we should have known better then. But and yeah. there were artists in the Academy who responded to them. Yes, yeah, Kim Basinger just, being one of them. Mm-hmm. It's history repeating itself, which is but very I, upsetting. But I agree with you that it's just especially. I mean, it's it, you. If Hillary Clinton was president, I don't think Green Book would have won Best Picture. And I'm not mm. saying that Hillary Clinton like is this saint or this savior. I think that the alternate reality is pretty bleak in that direction, too, just given what has come out of the country in the past, just like out of our... I don't, I'm not going to go on a whole thing. Yeah. Just like, what, 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 is, what, is, what is bled out of our country, even from when Trump was running for president? Like, I think that, I think that we, we've been in bleak times for a few years. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just, for some reason, I... And, and of course, like, I can hear people rolling their eyes and be like, Hillary Clinton would have said, I loved Green Book. And I'm sure she would have. But Probably. I don't know. Just for some reason, I, I don't know. I, I, I agree with Kim Masters' take. She tweeted that she thinks the real reason Green Book won is that the anti-Green Book Coalition did not pick one movie. Oh, that's interesting. And that Roma had its detractors. Mm-hmm. Yes, it did. And that was... So people and, this is not, why, and this is why we can't have nice things. Yes. People not voting for Green Book were spreading their votes across yeah. all the other better options. Uh-huh. And it's didn't, Trump. And, and there was only and didn't, Trump. Didn't she also say, keep this in mind for the 2020 yes, election? She yes, did. Oh, there you go. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. There, were, the there were only two... Old white man movies nominated for Best Picture, and there were six other movies. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. And yes, I mean, I, I could be like, well, there was Roma, there was Black Clans, but I'm not going to l- literally list every single one of the movies. But yes, that 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 makes the most sense to me. You can also blame the preferential ballot. Mm-hmm. You can also just um, here's what, I don't want to blame the preferential ballot because I actually really like. The I'm, preferential say, I'm saying ballot. you could. I know, and I know people. A lot of people have been like, "Well, we gotta get rid of it now." But it's like Moonlight would not have won. Period. La La Land would have won. Yeah, I agree. With without yeah. the preferential ballot, <clears throat> I agree. Yeah. With that. I also think that there's this tendency, and I think that Kim Masters makes the best point. 
But I think that there's this tendency to like try and explain the impossible here. Like when Trump was elected, mm-hmm. like how could this thing that, you know, us like liberal people, like how, how could this nightmare come to the front, like to mm-hmm. the fore? How could this have happened? And the simple answer is like, most people are not just morons, um, but don't, I mean, yes, most people are morons. I can mm-hmm. just say that. Like, I think the simple answer for why Green Book won Best Picture is because the Academy still has a lot of people in it who see mm-hmm. a movie like Green Book and think like, oh, this is the racial reconciliation movie we've been waiting for. Yes. Who never, and these are white people who never once think, <laughs> like, it, it, it's the whole idea that like, if the movie had been told from Don Shirley's perspective, these same people would have been like, I don't think it was really fair to the white character. Mm-hmm. Like, forgetting that almost literally Every single studio movie, certainly every studio movie about race is told from a white perspective. Yeah. But this is just the quote unquote normal perspective. This is right. the baseline for these people. You know what I mean? Like right. these are people who have never considered who like who is telling a story, why do they have the point of, like why is their point of view the one that we're following? Like mm-hmm. most people in the academy, I do not think buy the argument about the imbalance of racial perspective right. yeah. in Green Book. And I hope like they listen to just, the, by the Daily. Inst- inst- oh, very good it shit. It was a very, very good, good episode. And by the way, Steven Spielberg is, for all we know, Steven Spielberg voted for Green Book for Best Picture. Oh, for absolutely. Number yeah. one. I think there's a chance he voted for Roma. Um, I often think about how his jury... No, he's the most outspoken about making movies for theaters. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yes. Yeah, yeah not the... Qual- I bet he voted for Alfonso and director. Right. Um, but he didn't there there was That's a, a very really concerted effort to all honor Alfonso without honoring the movie yes honor honor the Alfonso <laughs> do not honor the film mm-hmm. honor the man do not honor the movie yes yeah I think uh, yeah that's another part of it is the anti-Netflix yeah they didn't want Netflix toppling mm-hmm. well I'll be honest that Roma is the first time that I and the favorite was my favorite of all of the nominees Same. but Roma is the first time that I've actually rooted for Netflix to take uh, a major award. Like yeah, this. when it, I mean, when it looked like it was Roma I'm, v. Green Book. Yeah, no question. No question. But I mean, even before that was the narrative. Right. Um, it is the first great. Yeah. Is it the first great Netflix movie? I mean, there were a few on my top 10 list. The Other Old Side Busters, of the Wind. Scruggs. These all came out in the same year, so it's more like a question. Like, I don't think one gets yeah. to call first. Lazaro like, was a pickup. This last... The Other Side of the Wind was shot 70 years ago. This last... But it was... Netflix gave the money to mm-hmm. put it back together or put it together in the first place. This last crop, this last year yeah. of Netflix releases was its strongest argument yes. to date for yeah. legitimacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to argue with The Other Side of the Wind, Battle mm-hmm. Buster Scruggs, Roma. Uh, there are plenty of people do, but... Private Life. At, pri- mm-hmm. uh, thank you, Private Life. Yes. But sitting at this table, the land of steady habits. Oh, <laughs> that's okay. Velvet Nicole, buzzsaw. Nicole. Velvet buzzsaw. Ah, velvet. Buzzsaw. High flying Boyd. Mm-hmm. But those are but those are 2019 movies. Anyway, right. Can, I have I have one last thing this. I want to say about the Oscars. Unless you have more to say, I have one thing no. to note. I keep watching <laughs> Olivia Coleman's speech, and I am so happy for her. Good. But I cannot watch the moment where they read her name. I still cannot. Because I haven't of, done it. I skip until she's walking up. Well, to don't the stage. watch it because Glenn's it, grimace. I know. Is, I've seen it, and I yeah. know. I, I have. It's the it's, grab. It's the the last thing I think about before I go to bed, and the first <laughs> thing I wake. I think of when I wake up. You and are I'm not. You are in a. You are in a toxic relationship with your Glenn, the wife. It here. literally like I. It pains me her face, and but I know she's fine. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I was Didn't talking. Did you see her with her fries? Yeah, she was. I was uh, talking to. Fel, I she's mean, been here before. I see that, and I yeah, she's been there. Exactly, she's been there. Before. Wasn't wasn't dangerous liaisons worse of a of a loss? Wor- worse of a lot. Who More painful of then? a loss. Jody, that was oh, the accused, and of course Jody was going to win a couple years later. Yeah, not that and, and it's hard just knowing that Jody was going to turn in the Silence of the Lambs yeah. just a couple years later. Right. 
but because the accused is a very like it's a it's a haircut performance. Mm-hmm. She she's a beautiful young woman, and then she gets a butch haircut, and she Uh-oh. won an Oscar. Yeah, I would argue, and I know that you disagree because I saw your best actor rankings. I would say that Tom Hanks in Philadelphia is a makeup performance. I don't like that performance as much as oh. most people do. I think it's I think a. He's I, a I think he's great, but it's sort of the thing where. I don't think it's his best performance. I certainly don't think he should have won for Forrest Gump either. No. I, I, and I think I'm biased on this because the last, the most recent crop of Hank's performances, like I would say like vintage Hank's and like, he is this wine that is ma- continuing to mature. Mm-hmm. We all thought like he peaked in the two that like early 2000s. No, this wine is still maturing. Captain Phillips wasn't nominated for, mm-hmm. he would have been a great winner for Captain Phillips. Even Sully, which is not a movie I like very much. Mm-hmm. I think you guys like Sully more than mm-hmm. I do, but I, I think love Sully. but Sully's oh, an amazing Sully. performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I do think Philadelphia is his best performance. I think Captain Phillips is up there. I mean, the last 30 seconds of Captain Phillips are the best acting he's, he's ever, ever done. done. Yeah. But I agree. The rest of it is very good. I don't to mean me. to sound like I'm low on Philadelphia. I like that movie. I like it quite a bit. I think it's fantastic. I think it's a three and a half star movie, but I think that Jonathan Demi and I think that Jonathan Demi and his actors are what is responsible for the film's success. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like the script. <laughs> it's been too long for the for me to. I, I tell you, I went to a Q and A, uh, the double feature with Brokeback Mountain on my birthday last mm-hmm. year, and the screenwriter was there, and uh, he gave a great talk back. Um, but anyway, I the thing about Olivia Coleman, I I am learning that it is possible to both be over the moon mm-hmm. excited for Olivia Coleman yeah. and just gut devastated mm-hmm. over Glenn Close. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is not the first thing I think of when I wake up, and the last thing I think of before I go to bed. But I do catch myself thinking about, like, I don't know if y'all were on Glenn Watch like I was when she had not posted on Instagram for like 48 hours yeah, after the Oscars. I was. Yeah, I mean, those were some rough 48 hours mm-hmm. just thinking about how she was feeling, mostly because it's like, it feels like her losing is this moment of hubris. It's not. Yeah. It's not. But not because she believed the hype. But because she accepted the love that everyone yeah. was giving her, mm-hmm. and she dared to be vulnerable in the public yes. eye, and more so, she dared to have fun. Yes. And that is what is so devastating about it, mm-hmm. yeah, is that I she agree. then did not get the final validation. And I'm just, I hope that this public love for Glenn Close continues a couple years, just so we can get I, to Sunset Boulevard. I know. Yeah. But I'm worried. I mean, like I was saying to you, Bren, as soon as she lost, I was like, we've got Sunset Boulevard. Like, that's happening. I think she's 100% going to get nominated for that movie. Yeah. It's not even in production yet. It's but, always you never know. But it's a question of like, is I'm scared that how I don't think Hanks has peaked yet. I worry that the public outcry of love, the, like the public pouring of love for Glenn might have peaked with the wife. Right. How are we going to build all this momentum back up? Mm-hmm. And you're going to get naysayers saying like, oh, we're doing Glenn Close again. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, remember, and this is Glenn Close's whole career. We didn't give it to her last time. Yeah. You know? Right. right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. 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 I got so, a text a, f- uh, a little while ago that said Glenn would have won for doubt, and I wish <gasps> I would. I would oh, love I to, to have seen that. Oh, I don't want to hear that. That's I would too love to have painful. seen that, and I would love to have experienced. That. I would like to have seen it. Yes, I would like to have seen it. Should we? Should we jump yeah, in? Who's in well, charge my, this my, week? Uh, I think it's. Oh, I'll be in charge because I picked this year. Yes, Brandon. Uh, I just have one last thing. Justin Chang's piece about really good Green Book being the worst best picture winner in a decade or whatever over a decade um he said it may not be the best picture of the year but it might be the movie of the year which i think is very poignant because it does touch on that it captures the moment it It captures the moment exactly where we are it's the it's tough to have a conversation with someone who's a green booker because they 
don't see inherently what's wrong. Well, it's a it's a it's a good you know. And but I it's, believe but it's I believe that he touches on this in the piece. I read it like the next morning when I was still like in the fog <laughs> of disbelief. <laughs> yeah. But it's the idea that we can't have a conversation because they are not willing to open their minds to the idea that their white supremacist perspective Mm -hmm. could possibly be wrong Mm -hmm. because they voted for Obama, because they voted for Hillary even. It's just just acknowledging who gets to tell whose story. Exactly. But the idea that like some people just can't even open their brains or their hearts to have that It's lack of empathy is what it is. I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not even like... You know, if you love Green Book and then you hear this argument, you're like, oh, I never thought about it that way. Actually, that I still love the movie, but I had n- n- that, that has changed my, that has recolored my impression of it. And I'm going to think about that going forward. I'll give you a little more slack. But I don't yeah. think there are many people who, yeah. who feel that way. No. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I think it's fair. I agree with the Justin Chang piece completely. Yeah, same. Anyway. Ben? Pete Hammond, retire, bitch. <laughs> Oh, that piece. Uh, a sweet Green Book victory. We've, dra- we've dragged him on the pod before. Wow, did he misread that film. Wow. <laughs> that wow is the best part of that piece. Well, it's just like, it's the idea that... Wow. It's the idea that Viggo Mortensen, his racism mm-hmm. is equated with Mahershala Ali's fanciness. Mm-hmm. That's what I, that is what I cannot, that is the bile that I cannot get out of the back of my throat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That like, because here's the thing, like a movie about where two people like change each other's minds about something. And even if it, and especially if it's about race, that's a beautiful thing in theory. Right. There's a lot wrong with perspective as we've already sort of touched on here, but that's the thing that I really can't get over. Yeah. That his bigotry and racism that he hates someone because of the color of their skin is equated in the moral universe of Mm -hmm. this movie to be equivalent with Mahershala Ali not wanting, to, not wanting to eat food with his fingers. Mm-hmm. I cannot get over that. Yep. And actually, I'll, I'll, it's Viggo Mortensen picking up with his fingers two glasses that a couple of black guys were drinking out of, mm-hmm. putting it in the trash, and then a black man not wanting to touch chicken with his fingers. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing right. as far as Green Book is concerned. I can't get over and it. And that is Oof. white supremacy. That is white supremacy. Oof. Thank you. Ben? Okay, shut up. <laughs> We're here not to talk about Green Book. We are here to talk about white supremacy, though. White oh, yeah. product, white Christian, yeah. Yes. We are here. We've been talking about doing an episode like this for a while. What's the name of the show? Oh. <laughs> oh. This is Movies IMO. My name is Ben Empey. My name is Daniel Crook. I'm Brandon Kirby. Brandon Kirby. Kirby. We've been talking about doing an episode on this topic for a while or just like choosing a year that one of us loves and watching several films from that year Mm -hmm. and discussing them. Wow. So I forced us to do 1993. (laughs) Forced. I mean, you You, didn't force You pinned us down. Well, oh, I I was going to say like, you didn't force me, but actually you're right about that, Brandon. Sorry, I didn't mean to kill your bit. Yeah, no, you 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 tied us to train I tracks. I wrestled you down. You tied you, us on train tracks. You held you, our eyes open with those eye-holding open contraptions. From mm-hmm. a clockwork orange. Mm-hmm. And you showed us images of Juliette Binoche <laughs> writhing in grief. You made me watch Juliette Binoche wrap her knuckles against a brick wall. Mm. I love the wife. I was <laughs> so glad to see your twit. Because mm. that's, how can you not think about that? I know. How no. can, I watched it the night of the Oscars. I did too. I did too. Wait, I watched well, what? Three oh, Colors. Three Colors. And it's Wait, what makes you think of the wife? The sh- she writes her yeah. husband's music. Mm-hmm. Oh, right, right, right. It's yes. literally it's the, wife. the wife. It's literally the wife. Anyway, yeah, Ben, what are we doing? 
Yeah, so we happening. are going to talk about several films from the year 1993. <gasps> Arguably my favorite year in the history of the cinema. In 1993, Bill Clinton was... <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm going to do like a whole thing. It's going to be like, the median temperature that year was 77 <laughs> degrees oh, in Los Angeles, God. California. <laughs> Margaret Thatcher <laughs> passed away. No, she didn't. I'm just... Just night. Keep, keep going. Yeah, what else? What else happened the in The Richter night? scale landed an 8.8 <laughs> earthquake off the coast of Panama. Is that true? No. 8.8 wow. huge. I'm making all of these up. That's like earth ruining. <laughs> off the coast. It's ocean ruining. Earth ruining. <laughs> when was the North Ridger earthquake? Was that 93? 95? Hmm. I'm just going to Google things that happened in 1993. The year was 1993. <laughs> okay. Um, Bill Clinton succeeded George Bush. Yeah, that was real. That was real. Average rent was $532. Okay, so you're actually pulling up some good quotes. Movie tickets were $4.14. Holy this shit. Postage stamps were 29 cents. That's about this. That's roughly the same. The World Wide Web was born. <gasps> oh, wow. Wow. Oh, wow. Victoria Justice was born. I don't know who that is. Michael Jordan announced his retirement. Oh, that's when he left the NBA for the first time? Unforgiven won Best Picture. Why didn't... That's 92. That's what we At the 65th Academy Awards. In the calendar year. 93. So... Tonight, we will be discussing several films, including... Julia Winter, who played Veruca Salt in the 2005 Tim Burton Charlie mm. and the Chocolate Factory, was born. Oh. Cheers ended, ended oh, its 11-year wow. run. I believe... <gasps> Ruth Bader ended. Ginsburg became the second uh, woman on the Supreme Court. Nice. Okay, Topical. we're done. Next. What website are you on? I don't know. Wikipedia? <laughs> I don't even know. It was like the St. Louis Facts Academy. We will be talking about... <laughs> Academy Award winner for Best Picture, Schindler's List. Best Picture oh, yeah. winner. <coughs> also, that year, Steven Spielberg's Jurassic Park. Hell yeah. That's what we call a one-two punch, ladies and gentlemen. And Several more of my favorite movies of all time, including <laughs> The Age of Innocence, mm. directed by Martin Scorsese, Shortcuts, directed by Robert Altman, mm. Three Colors Blue, directed by... Krzysztof Kieslowski. Kieslowski. Wow. I was so concerned you're going to be like, three of my favorite movies, and Daniel loves shortcuts. <laughs> no. <laughs> that would have been a good bit. Would have been a good bit. Um, Take it back oh, to the bit. And what almost won Best Picture. I mean, maybe not almost, but was in the running for Best Picture. Oh, yeah. The Palm Door winner. Winner. The Piano, directed by Jane Campion. Still wow. the only film to win the Palme d'Or directed by a woman. <gasps> Can't wait to talk about the piano in regards to its award success. Mm. It's What it's, a thrill. It's too good for awards. Any other year, she would have won Best Director. She would have been the first woman to win Best Director if it was not the, the Spielberg World War II movie. Right. The, the Spielberg Holocaust movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, are we going to talk about any other... I mean, I I pop in some. I I will just say that when I when we originally built our long list when we mm-hmm. thought we would be able to watch like nine movies, I brought up the War Room, mm-hmm. linking. To, this is re- if I really if we really want to like situate ourselves in the year nineteen ninety three. But if you haven't seen the War Room, it's a very good documentary. I've seen the documentary now. Spoof. Oh, which is great. 
Um, have but not seen the war. Room the war room is about George Stephanopoulos and James Carville. Um, uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, I just googled it because I wanted to. I it's it's. I don't think it's Pennebaker, but I wanted it is Pennebaker. I think, but I want to double check. I don't know. I googled. Fans. I googled the warm room. Oh, and I got a Kate Bush thing. Um, um, I think it, I think it's D.A. Pennebaker, right? Or I really yeah 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 it's, it's it's D.A. Pennebaker. But anyway, it, it's about the Clinton the '92 Clinton campaign, mm-hmm. mostly in the primary into the general, and just sort of about how George Stephanopoulos and James Carville changed <coughs> the way that presidential elections are run. It's a very interesting snapshot mm. of the time, and um, some iconic fashion choices from James Carville. Mm. I love fashion. We were gonna also include Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm-hmm. Hello. I find myself saying, I think I said this at when I was wasted at Akbar one night. I was like, I'm Mrs. Doubtfiring right now, like bouncing between the two groups uh, of people. I love to. I love Mrs. using Mrs. Doubtfiring as a mm. verb. It's a verb. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and then the other one was Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. Which Let's is how I do. feel every time we sit down to record. Which I started wow. watching and then shut off. Shut that shit off. <laughs> no, I like that movie. I was just tired. Good movie. It was late when I started it. I will just say about Mrs. Finish. Doubt. Good movie. About you, Virginia Doubt, for you, is that I saw that on a 35 millimeter print when Ugh. I was still in film school. <gasps> and it was one of the what? worst prints I've ever seen. Oh, it, was, it, it was scratched the fuck oh, up. It was like so the number fun, one. Though. But no, no, but it was still super fun. But it was like it, the print was not. It was one of the top movies of the year, wasn't it? So they probably like really used Oh, that, that thing got played around. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't remember why used. we played Mrs. Doubtfire 35mm <laughs> at my film school. That's fun, but though. But we did, and I brought someone I was dating. Figaro, Figaro. And, Figaro, oh, yeah. Figaro. And when that, and, and so when the little mm. bird is going on there, and it, I believe it was slightly red, it was certainly scratchy, I was like, oh, geez. Mm. <laughs> this is going to be more than two hours. Yeah. <laughs> Hello! 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 Ah, uh, a movie, <laughs> a film. Have I got a job for you? Uh, I didn't rewatch it. I did. I'm rusty I, I on my references. It, I, I saw Mrs. Doubtfire probably 50 times yeah, when I was I've a kid. Yeah, I've seen it 100 times. I, was ob- I, I thought I'd seen it that much, but apparently not. I was obsessed with drag when I was a small mm. boy. When and this is like when I look back on this, I'm like, how did I not know that my brother and I were both gay? I remember being like six years old and my brother and I like working out this routine, mm. like a drag routine, and they're like, the only thing we're missing are wigs. Mm. And so then I remember one time I was at the mall with my mom, I'm like, can we just like go in that wig store? She was like, what? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> no. And then like nothing. I would see it's the okay. Mrs. Don't Doubtfire. Exactly. I would see the Mrs. Doubtfire box at Hollywood Video, like for a solid year before I like got up the courage to be like. We, I'm like, this is the funniest movie ever made. Like, I decided before I right. saw that it was the funniest movie ever mm-hmm. made. It's and then the funniest. Every movie sleepover, ever made. like my parents would be like, "Do you want to go rent a video for the sleepover?" I'm like, "Yes," and we would get Mrs. Dove <laughs> every every day on time. I love that. I think my family had the VHS. We did for sure. Love Robin Mrs. Williams Doubtfire doing Barbara VHS. is really important. Yes, it's really yeah. important. Yes, with the there's nose. a lot of importance in this film. There is a lot of formative faggotry. A lot of good gay film. representation. Yes, there's good gay representation. His brothers, Harvey Firestein, mm-hmm. Uncle Frank, and Aunt Jack. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. which is Classic. not necessarily a line played for laughs. No, it's just that's how it's it is. when he's found out. Mm-hmm. It's like who did this? He's like Uncle Frank and Aunt Jack. Right. Like just it's it's like a throwaway line. Mm-hmm. It's not a joke. Mm-hmm. So. Good gay representation. There's also someone on Grinder in my neighborhood who for the past four years, I guess, however long I've been on Grinder in my neighborhood, who's Avi, his profile pic, is Mrs. Doubtfire with the cake all over her facing. Hello! Oh. Have you messaged that person? No. Why I don't not? They, I don't, I don't, I, I'll be honest. Say. I don't trust 
people who don't at least even do like a like I'll take a no face pick over I will take oh, oh, for nothing so, yeah exactly over like a like a if someone where like, I'm like what are you hiding behind all that frosting on your face mm-hmm. like when someone makes their picture mm-hmm. like Jar Jar Banks yeah. it's like on Tinder that's a or different like story Thanos. my Tinder profile has Norma Ray as a picture that's funny I, but it's not Ray the again. main no but like, you guys have a whole gallery of course yeah yeah I've had others over the years I don't quite remember. Should we just do the episode where we talk about grinder and Tinder? All yes. Our all of all of the non pictures of ourselves pictures we've used on our gay app profiles. <laughs> remember when you could have a dick pic as your prof pic on grinder? I don't go that far back. What? Oh wow. Oh, I'm old, I guess. Well, when when was what? Huh? The early days of grinder you could use any You could just use a photo. dick. Yeah. Did as you? Your, no. So you're just scrolling through some I dicks. guess you wouldn't admit yeah. it on the microphone if you had. <clears throat> no, I would, but I didn't. I'm trying to think. I don't think I was. On I was Grindr. in college. I was a sweet boy. God, I'm such an idiot. I was in college when Grinder existed, and I just never even. I never even thought about it. And I was yeah, out. Me too. After my freshman year, I was like fully <laughs> out. What the hell? Well, that's how much. I what was were we? That's how much I was scared of uh, <laughs> men. Speaking of what were we waiting mistakes for in our lives? Let's talk about the Age of Innocence first. <laughs> Of all, of all the movies you could have made this I'm like, don't do it. Please don't do it. Oh. Okay, let's talk about The Age of Innocence. Yes. Oh, oh, you've already said what we're talking about. Yeah. The Age... What are we, 45 minutes in? Innocence. We can talk about each movie for five minutes. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, I'm not going to... We're not going to do plot synopses for each of these Fuck movies. no. Age of Innocence is about regret. It is. Yes. Age of Innocence is about edging. Mm-hmm. And I will not hear otherwise. That is the theme of the movie... Edging, yes. Yep. And then at the end of the movie, like the the, <laughs> the central mistake of the movie is that Daniel Day Lewis edges for forty years, mm-hmm. and then he finally gets his moment to let it all Release. out, and he's like, mm, "I've got." I he got turns nerves. the other cheek. He he had, he had cold feet when he, he was finally allowed to quit edging. He couldn't get there. He couldn't get there. He, he couldn't get it long. up when he edged for too long. Yeah. It's about the dangers of edging. Yes. <laughs> the emotional casualties of edging. Mm-hmm. That yes. is the theme of The Age of Innocence. Mm-hmm. Yes, correct. What's the cut you like? Okay, so The Age of Innocence takes place in the year, Benjamin? 1898, maybe? Or late, 18, late 1890s. Here's what I'm obsessed with. There's a moment where we are in the home of, I think, the Miriam Margolis character, whoever like the, the, the grand matriarch mm-hmm. is. We are in this lavish New York City socialite home. It is decked from head to toe in just the most, you know, opulent furniture and paintings and the costumes are so grand and everyone is just dripping money. Everyone is like sweating quarters. You know what I mean? Um, and they're talking, about, I believe they're talking about like the social structure and like what someone has to do in order to get over on somebody in order to get ahead in this world. And it's very much like old Manhattan, like old New York. And then there is a cut where we see the exterior of the house. We, we start the scene from inside the house rather than seeing the exterior first. So we're just in this room and we're just getting all this, like, not just wealth, but like sophistication that, that feels like so cutting edge, like so yeah. ahead of its time. And then we cut out and the house is the only Victorian mansion on the block. It, we're in New York City and it is just brown dirt as yeah. far as the eye can see and and like the next house is probably like a quarter mile away mm-hmm. i am just obsessed with what that says i mean martin scorsese is obsessed with 
New York City at the history of New York City and the and how New York City was forged and I just find that piece of history fascinating and it's just such a smart cut yeah. like that that revealed and contextualizes the environment of the entire film yeah mm-hmm. I love there's a point on that note there's like they're talking about where it is okay or not okay for a woman of Michelle Pfeiffer's stature to live and it's like well you can't live downtown into them Uptown is 14th Street. Right. And like beyond that is the country. These are all things that I learned in the Cynthia Nixon narrated uh, history of New York documentary mm. at the Museum of New York in mm. New York. Wow. Wow. In what would have been the country, like up right. like past 85th mm-hmm. Street. And that's where the matriarch lives. That's where the Dakota is. And like that's where these mansions were being built before it was city. Yeah. Yet before there was Central Park. And I just found that I find that fascinating. I find it fascinating too. I find it rich. I find it very interesting. I think my cat's going to fall off the couch. Oh, Linda. Let someone go support that girl with your arms and your hands. She needs some support. support. Regina Hall here. Um, Support the girl. I love this movie because it's a movie about longing. Yes. Passion. It's a movie about. It's. You know, hot glances across the room, mm-hmm. and it's and it's about a woman who is unable to, um, um, what's the word, sublimate herself to society, and how society treats her back, mm-hmm. and she is abused, and she just has to leave society. She's unable to fit into the world that she's supposed to fit in with, and she does not. She chooses independence but it comes at a price but should it have that's the question you're left with should it have mm. <laughs> mm. michelle fiver did not get an oscar nomination for this movie was she the one electric crime against humanity <clears throat> so winona and daniel day mm-hmm. daniel day and winona winona's performance in this particularly so striking to me uh, because so she good. is unlike you know Michelle Pfeiffer who has no power Nona has all the power she buys into the system she knows she her only choice. The system. and she knows fully that he's in love with Michelle Pfeiffer the whole time yeah and you can see it on yeah. her face and she's just playing yep. dumb which is frankly this so smart hard. move it is I, I don't know who, I think it might have been Roger Ebert but someone said that The Age of Innocence was Martin Scorsese's most violent movie and I agree with that. It feels like very hot takey to be like, and I agree, but I think I agree. The editing is so sharp, like literally sharp. I mean, it is just, it's such a confrontational film, even when that confrontation is one built on feeling amorous and feeling love for someone else. But just the ways in which the environment, the the rules of the environment work against the character's urges, the way that the the societal repression versus like the bodily urge again, Mm. like, fascinating and how it's like this movie should be five minutes long it's like oh you're hot you're hot Mm want to fuck yeah but the thing is is that i have this wife Mm -hmm. oh what do you want to do about that i think i should break up with her because it's not fair to her and because they're not married yet no yeah 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 they're engaged (laughs) he's he's like actually it's kind of easy like yeah um like like it'll break her hard but it's better than lying to her right because he's ready to go through with it and she says no yes exactly that's how it happens yeah she says don't do it and she should just say do it but she can't but she can't she knows that it would reflect poorly on her. Yes. She would be the outcast in the society. One of my favorite editing moments in this movie is when, at the end, right before we get to the let's jump forward 40 years, is so good. Winona mm-hmm. Ryder stands up to tell Daniel Day-Lewis that she's pregnant, 
and she stands up from the chair like four times in different angles, like the whole motion. Oh, oh. Thank you, Thelma. And it's very, Classic it's Thelma. just like, it's very ghost-like. It's like just overlaps enough that it just feels like she's standing up for seven minutes, but it's so good. And then it's like, she has so much power. She's about to tell him that she's pregnant. Like, this is it. We've crossed the threshold. <laughs> yeah. You're in this now. You're in. Uh-huh. Daniel David. David, David. Daniel David. Daniel David. Newland Archer. Wait, did Daniel mm-hmm. Lewis didn't get nominated for this? No, he got nominated for In the Name of the Father the same year. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, he didn't get nominated for this. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? But he I... did get a nomination for it. <laughs> Winona's the only acting nomination. And also, I really? didn't get a Best Picture nomination. I believe Miriam Margolis won the BAFTA for Supporting Actress. Mm. Let's check that out. It's it's correct. It won Best Motion Picture Drama. At the Golden No, it didn't. No, it did not. Sorry. Sorry. But Winona... Winona won. Yes. I would have voted for Winona at the Oscar. I think Anna Paquin is very good in the piano. But We're going to talk voted. about it. We're going to talk about it. I would have voted it. for Winona. I, I mean, I probably would have voted for like Lily Tomlin in Shortcuts, who wasn't nominated. Right. Like, or, or Andy Mc... No, I would have voted for Andy McDowell in Shortcuts, who Lily wasn't Tomlin is my favorite performance. I mean, and there's a reason I went to Lily first. I mean, Lil- Lily... Actually, I've, rank, I've ranked these performances at some point. I'll have to find it on my Twitter when we get to Shortcuts, but... We'll get to that when we get to shortcuts, yeah. and we'll talk with Anna Packman when we get to the piano. But mm-hmm. it is just like I feel like the Oscar kind of ruined her career. Even though Anna yeah. Packman went on to like star in X Men and Margaret, like Anna Packman has and can, True Blood, in True Blood, like Anna Packman did not lose a career because of it. Right. But I, I don't know. It's maybe I'm just like maybe I'm unfairly conflating her with someone like Tatum O'Neill, like another young girl who won an Academy Award uh, yeah. at such a young age. I do think Anna Paquin became the butt of a joke. That's sort of you what know? I that's sort of what I mean. It was like, well she was six or whatever. Yeah. I mean mm. she was wearing that hat on yeah. the Oscars. But now was she's she favored to win? Because Winona won the Globe. Know. We can dig into know. that later. Yeah. Now she's soon to be seen on the true T V original No, pop T V original Flack. Oh. <laughs> she's supposed to be in something Flack. good coming up. Yeah, Flack. Flack. No, actually. I don't know. Margaret's? Is. is she in The Irishman? Yes. That's right. She's in the oh, new Scorchies. She's in The Irishman. Yes. Which brings us back to Scorchies mm-hmm. and The Age of Innocence. Scorchies. Um, also, I think it's in the movie, but it might just be in the book. One of my favorite lines is that no one, that Americans, no one likes to get away from entertainment as quickly as Americans after when they are rushing away from the opera. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's hilarious and it's yeah. so true. Well, that's, yes. it's the, it's sort of similar to the favorite in this way in that there are just so many delicious one-liners and mm. this old school wit. Mm-hmm. There's this biting, these like biting barbs. Martin Scorsese has humor. a writing credit on it. Well, he's very funny. I believe but it's this, Jay Cox and Martin. But it's, it's, that, it's that the, the script is able to like provide these, you know, very caustic chuckles throughout, mm-hmm. but it is ultimately about emotional devastation. Yeah. And being able to balance that is such a fine, I mean, there's your balance. It's a very mm-hmm. tricky thing to do. And that's why it reminds me of the favorite. I am always a fan. I mean, this is not, it's like, we have to mention it because, uh, it is certainly on film Twitter, like maybe the, ma- the most famous shot in the movie, but I love in persona when the film just like burns up in the middle mm-hmm. of the movie which of course makes me think about the fade to red in this mm. movie. The first time that he sees it's the first time, right? I can't remember. The, one of the first times that he sees the Daniel Lewis and Michelle Fiverr see one another, she like mm. turns her head, and the screen just can't take it. She is yeah. so hot. <laughs> mm. by, by, I don't hot. just mean physically attractive. I mean yeah. she burns brighter in her soul mm-hmm. than 
anyone else in the city. That's right. It's such a fascinating and memorable entrance for a character. It is. I love it. I love it. I have a couple things that I want to make sure I say. Keep going. And I um, I watched this movie over a month ago at this point, so it's my, been over a year I'm a, since I'm I've a seen useless it. blob. My favorite scene in the movie is she goes away. She goes to Boston, and he goes to Boston to see her. Mm-hmm. And they have lunch. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And he says, should I pull up the quote pull up itself? The quote. Please Pull up the do. quote. And while you pull up the quote, just so there's no dead air, we stand Richard E. Grant. We're glad he's in the movie. Oh, yeah. He's very <laughs> he's good. Very good. He's very good. Oh, yeah. He's very bitchy, if I remember correctly. He is. Yeah. Very bitchy. Um, very bitchy zero. Daniel, at lunch, says... To Michelle. To Michelle. You gave me my first glimpse of a real life, and then you told me to carry on with a false one. No one can endure that. And then we cut to the reverse shot, and Michelle just says quietly, I'm enduring it. I am enduring, I'm enduring it. Ooh. And it's a very... People often, maybe not often, but there was, there was... Silence came out, and there was a whole dialogue about Martin Scorsese doesn't care about women. And that is just patently false. Silence is just a movie that doesn't have women in it, really. There are, there are a couple of the, the the Japanese people are women, but they aren't really in the movie. But in his movies that are about women, and even some of his masculine movies, such as Raging Bull. Even such The Departed as, with yes, Vera Farmiga. Uh-huh, and yep. Taxi Driver and Goodfellas all have incredible female characters in them, and they are mm-hmm. who are often, the, who often, often the smartest people mm-hmm. in the room, and not in like a sort of in a way that... Like, he doesn't tokenize his female characters. Right. to say, like, they're the smartest ones in the room. They yeah. just, exactly right. They have a full emotional Like in Goodfellas, when they try to kill off Lorraine Bracco, and she's just like, I, I have to go. She's just yeah. like, I'm going to go. I love that moment. Yeah, yeah. me too. Um, but it's a moment of male privilege for him to say, you did this to me, and I can't endure it. And he hasn't thought about the fact that she is also, She's also carrying that enduring yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And it's very powerful. Yeah. I would have to agree. It's very powerful. I would have to agree. The other thing I want to say about this movie. Yes. Is I love, I, the editing makes everyone feel like a ghost almost. It's like everything is preordained and no one really has a choice in the matter. And, it's done with the way that like someone will walk into a room and then there's a reverse shot and you think the reverse shot is from the same moment and then they pull back out and now we're in a different scene or like time has lapsed. They're actually on the other side of the room now. They're sitting down over there now. It's very ghost-like and it's very well done. We love a temporality. Thelma should have won. Well, Schindler's List. We but, love Thelma's uh, temporality. It's always well Schindler's List. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Deserves yeah, this the year, Oscar. This year. But... If it if Schindler's List was the following year, yeah. what would? Should we segue into Schindler's List? Sure. Since we're talking about, or should we save it for last because it's the best picture winner? Ah, uh, segue. Let's do it. Let's right. talk about Schindler. Let's go into it. The thing about, well, just because we're talking about this. You both just watch it for the first time. Just watch it for the first yeah. time. Yeah. But like th- this refrain of like, oh, but there was Schindler's List. It's not, it's not just like this, it was the Holocaust movie. Like yeah. we had to give it to it. Schindler's List is like, 
a titanic piece it of It is filmmaking. because it deserves it. Yes. And it's just like, you can say, oh, these movies actually deserve it. And then you think about Schindler's List for you, one you second. You think about the first five yeah. minutes of Schindler's List, the cut from the candle extinguishing to the smoke rising out of the train. Mm-hmm. Like, Instantly iconic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like that's... And Spielberg knew it when he did it, but that is Lawrence of Arabia. Yes. <laughs> it, it, it is, you know, it's down down to the flame extinguishing. I mean, it's a very direct uh, homage. Yes. Um, what do we want to start with on Schindler's List? Do we want to talk, do we just want to dive into the whole idea of polished Spielbergian filmmaking with incredibly difficult and morally sure. important subject matter that maybe is tarnished by any sort of gloss mm-hmm. when it really should just be confronted head on? I would, since you've, this is a movie that you've been carrying for a long time, maybe yes. you can kick this off. Um, well, that's your thought. So you should talk no, 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 about no. that. I'd, I ultimately, I don't, I don't think it's problematic. I think. That no, I don't either. Yeah. But that's just not what I want to discuss. Oh, okay. Well, I just remember the last episode you were like, yeah. And you're like, and a lot of people have a problem with that. Well, they so, do. Right. But so I'm not fam- really familiar with that dialogue at all, but oh. we can come back to what it. Is if you want to talk pe- yeah, about what is, else. they think it's glossing. A lot of people think it's making it glossy. Incredibly manipulative. A lot of people think it, uh, it fictionalizes things that shouldn't be fictionalized and i totally understand where they're coming from i think i because i think one thing that rubs people the wrong way is the the snow is actually ash moment Mm -hmm. but that happened Mm -hmm. like that is how the town by Auschwitz existed in that period of time is ash constantly falling and they thought it was snow sometimes. I think there's a a really effective element at play when it comes to manipulation and when it comes to um, it's not quite semiotics but just like the language we're used to watching movies told him Mm -hmm. that is Spielberg sets up and then disrupts Um, and I think that's a great example of it. Um, Just like the the Something about like the 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 bait and switch of that, yeah, is such a disruption to like such such a movie moment there, yeah, where they're walking through and it's just all of a sudden snowing, mm-hmm. and before you know what it is, you could you could be forgiven for thinking like oh this this moment of levity and beauty in mm-hmm. this very difficult uh, telling a very difficult subject matter and then he snaps you out of it. Mm-hmm. I also think the same thing can be said about at the end of the film when the women who are on Schindler's list are accidentally delivered to Auschwitz and they are stripped. This is another moment that people. Yeah. And, but, and I think it's important to bring this up, but essentially like the, these women all there, there's a moment earlier in the film where they're in their bunks, um, at, at Krakow and are, are basically telling they're, they're reciting gossip, like this story that's been told about how, they are exterminating Jewish people mm-hmm. um, systematically um, beyond like just the callous killing that um, Ray Fiennes is doing, which is also terrible, but just mm-hmm. that they are mass slaughtering people by leading them into what they think is a shower. They give them a bar of soap. Um, and then obviously they're gassed and killed. Mm-hmm. Um, we are led to believe that this is what is happening to these women who were supposed to be sent to safety and mm-hmm. instead are sent to Auschwitz. They are, their hair is cut, they are stripped, they are led en masse in a very disturbing, uh, very, uh, very disturbing set of shots um, into a room. Uh, everyone is obviously distraught uh, and thinking they are all about to die. And then the water comes on from the ceiling and it turns out that they are in the shower. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and then all of a sudden everyone's like screaming with joy and it's this moment of levity. But then as soon as, and this is where I think that Spielberg is doing it again, where he is giving you this movie moment and then checking you and taking it yeah. back. 
they exit clean. And as they walk out, the camera goes over to another group of people who are being led into what we know is a gas chamber right. or into a furnace even. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's this, I think the movie is just constantly like giving you these, mo- these moments of, you know, of, of just awareness that you are, that you are being manipulated. And, 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 and in this case, like you're, you're seeing something, you're getting a, you're getting relief yeah. and then you're immediately checked with it in a way that I think is very well balanced. Yeah. Um, and I think that Spielberg is using like the mechanisms of polished movie making in order to, it's not just like to draw attention to the Holocaust, like, yeah, which sounds cheap, but you know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. that it's provocative and I think that it's kind I of ingenious actually. If he, as a way of really making people watch. Yes. I think if he didn't make the movie this way, you wouldn't have the, the connection that you have with the Jewish characters that you do. Mm-hmm. I think if you told it without the, the the iconic Spielberg star shot. You're a little bit low angle in full revelry of these people. In the hands of a lesser filmmaker, the the Jewish people that you're following through the story would not get that shot. And right. they all get it in this movie. Yes. And yeah. I think that's one of I think that that is one of the strengths of the movie is that he lionizes these people. I completely agree. And I think it's one of his own, one of his, one of his only true ensemble movies. And I of course take into account like Lincoln, which is one of my absolute favorite Spielberg movies, but it is still anchored by Lincoln. Schindler is obviously anchored by Schindler, but the way that we get to know these Jewish people who uh, eventually end up in the concentration camp that we follow them from the, from before the liquidization of the ghetto. But when, the, from before it, they're put into the game. No, this is what I'm saying. People were just forced from their homes. The fact that we follow these stories, it is such a rich and humane, or just a, it's such a rich tapestry of human experience mm-hmm. and human, um, I mean, just colossal human failure. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that very moving too. And I and it's like, I don't, I don't necessarily think that we wouldn't care because if you... I mean, right. Un- unless you're a true sociopath, like the Holocaust, you should not, you should not, it should not be hard to find empathy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? But the fact that he does, the fact that he goes out of his way to do that, I just think is such a, it, I think, I think it's another sort of radical way that he's telling the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also, well, someone, I've just spoken. Anyone else want to say anything? The other thing that people don't like about this movie mm-hmm. is that it's, Schindler is the title character. He's mm. a Nazi. He is a Christian. I did wonder about that while I was watching it. I, I have too. a rebuttal. Sure. <clears throat> the beating heart and soul of this movie is Itzhak, Itzhak Stern, played by Ben Kingsley. He's the real that's, hero of the that's, movie. That's true. Ben Kingsley is telling Schindler what to do every step of the way. He is pulling the shots. He is making the list himself. He is telling people... Don't do this. Do this. We will save you. Like he is out there on the streets. I can doing what he agree. has to do. I completely agree. And sidebar, I think Ben Kingsley gives the best performance in the movie. I do too. Um, yeah, but I, I completely agree with this. And it's from from the first time we meet Ben Kingsley's character, and when he's with Liam Neeson's character, and they're in that back room, and Liam Neeson is just talking about like how we can take advantage of this situation and like I can get people to work for free mm-hmm. and I can have a pots empire. Mm-hmm. And Ben Kingsley is just like looking at him with this face of like, don't you know what's happening? Like, yeah. don't you know what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And I find that not just profoundly moving, but I think that that is, and I, I mean, I'm not just going to echo back what you said, but yes, absolutely. That is, that is Spielberg showing the audience who the true hero of the story is. Mm-hmm. 
or that's the right answer. But if you just want to strip away like terms like true hero, he's certainly the engine of the story. Yes. Yeah. Um, he is, he is the one, he's the fulcrum. He is the thing that pushes these things into, into motion. And he is just using Schindler in his way. And like, he needs Schindler to protect him Mm -hmm. because otherwise he will die. And he recognizes that, but he is able to manipulate Schindler in ways that I don't think anyone else does in this movie. You know, Mm -hmm. he's, he is really doing, he's pulling the strings. Completely agree. Um, this movie made me like Yanush Kaminsky. Uh, not that I dislike him as a cinematographer, but I can't really stand like these enormous light washes. Mm-hmm. But I think in black and white, it is striking. And I also think that even though at this point it is something of a cliche, the way that Schindler's face is has one side lit and the other side dark, I think is ingenious mm-hmm. and effective at getting at his own moral quandary. Yeah. Uh, and just, just what a conflicted protagonist he is. Yeah. And how we're never supposed to really... I mean, of course, by the end of the movie, we are supposed to celebrate Schindler. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is someone who did the right thing. Right. But it takes him a couple hours mm-hmm. out of the three hour and 15 minute movie to even realize that he's doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because he like throws, when that one Jewish woman comes in and she's like, oh, I know what you're doing. You're like, you know, making a safe place for us. And he's like, get out of here. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, he's an asshole for... Yeah. A lot of it. Yes, he's a and a Nazi. <laughs> he's a Nazi. He's a literal Nazi. He's a member of the Nazi party. He's happy to drink with them and carouse with mm-hmm. them. And what you what you expect to happen in this sort of story, and this is where if like this is the type of fictionalization that would upset me, is if there's a moment where in that scene, for instance, where Schindler kicks that woman out and refuses to help uh, save her parents. If he's like, I am not going to give you the name of the person that you should send them to. I am certainly not going to tell you that you should pay him 50 cents when you get there. Like mm-hmm. if it was just all like, and like when he was getting, when he drinks with the other Nazis, when he gets their photos taken, of course he's doing it. His cleverness is that he can then use this against them to help them fund his, or to help him to keep his business safe. Mm-hmm. But I would hate it if we find out from the very beginning, he was like, I had a plot to save all of these Jewish people. Right. And so I supplanted myself then like right in their midst the whole time. Like I would hate, that would be the type of fictionalization that would drive me crazy. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But the fact that they don't keep the character honest for so long mm-hmm. I think is the absolute rebuttal to the idea that Schindler is somehow uh, the num- like the most heroic figure in the film or yeah. that it's truly even told from his perspective. Right. One part of the story is told from his perspective, but we also get the perspective of inside the ghetto and inside the concentration camp. Mm-hmm. And then from Ray Fiennes, who yeah. that is, I mean... Oh, that we haven't even talked about that performance. Yeah, I also think there's something about like laying out that type of monstrosity bear that is so difficult to watch. Like, just It's the banality of evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that he won't let you look away from it, that he gives stretches of this symphony that he's made over three, about three and a half hour symphony, that he gives full stretches and movements of it to yeah. this most monstrous, despicable, morally mm-hmm. bankrupt, murdering Nazi. Yeah. It's part of it's, the Oscar. It's part of the story. I mean, I think Ben Kingsley should have won the Oscar. Sure. But it's Were part they of, all nominated? I don't. I think so. I think Ben Kingsley was. And was that Tommy Lee Jones won that year? Tommy Lee Jones won that year, and that's like a win that I love. But you can't make the case. I, I would have voted for Ray Fiennes actually. I would have given Tommy Lee Jones the Oscar for Lincoln. Yeah. So Tommy Lee Jones still has an Oscar in my universe. Um, oh my God! Ben Kingsley wasn't nominated. Oh. What the fuck? That's fucked up. 
I it, well, based on these nominees, I probably would have given it to Ray Fiennes. Mm-hmm. Let shall I read the nominees? Yes. The nominees are Tommy Lee Jones, The Fugitive, John Malkovich in The Line of Fire, Pete Postlethwaite in the name of, in the name of the Father, in the Line of Fire, and in the name of the Father. Leo DiCaprio, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, um, and Ray Fiennes. Yeah, sure Ray Fiennes. I'd, I'd have given it to Ray Fiennes. I, I understand why he didn't win. You're really going to award that? Yeah. Like, we, we love to give Oscars to the villains and Best Supporting Actor, but that is really, like, mm-hmm. you don't enjoy watching that the way that no. you enjoy watching Javier Redemino, Country for Old Men. Right. Obviously. It is. No one wanted to vote for a Nazi. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But what is Linda doing? She's digging under the stove. Um... This movie has the most harrowing sequence in the history of movies, which is the liquidation of the ghetto. Yeah. I completely agree. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say in the history of the movies, but... I would say in the history of the movies. And I think you can. I mean, I haven't seen all of them, but... That's what I'm saying. I haven't seen all the movies. <laughs> I haven't so seen all of them. So I can't speak but to that. I would, I would guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't think <clears> any <throat> movie shows just in the human decimation that... And it goes on for... 25 a minutes. A very long time. And like, it, I, it's insane to watch. There's I, one moment that I really, I mean, it's, it is, of course, like you're crying while you're watching this. I mean, it's just harrowing and, mm-hmm. and, and just extremely difficult to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but the moment where the guy who has been hiding out in the piano, like gets out and then like steps on the keys, uh, which of course is another example of Spielberg, like mm-hmm. using the imaginations of the movies in order yeah. to put you in the head, whatever yeah. you want to say, like to, just to, to, to make, to make you be in that environment now. Um, but then he gets down and plays the piano before he's executed. I just find that moment to be tremendously moving. Uh-huh. Um, I agree. Didn't you have a, like a, 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 not a fun fact, but a fact about like the filming of that scene. I thought you said something on a previous episode. This I, is, I think this, you did too. I know a lot of random facts about Spielberg. Um, I do know that he um, he saw. I don't. I just know that he like cried on set one day, um, but about the costumes because mm. he hadn't seen them oh. until they got to set, and they were not what he wanted. And he was just like, "This is the most horrible time of my life. How could you do this to me?" Oh, and he like God. wept on set. It was like, it was Nazi uniforms and they were like, it was like, they were like a rubber latex instead of, and they were just like, yeah. And they were just like shiny. And he was just like, this is not right. And we should have talked about this a month ago. And I'm so mad. And uh, this is the worst experience of my entire life. Wow. How did they, did they have to halt and redo it? I don't know. That's so interesting. I don't remember how it ends. Does the, remind me, does the liquidation end with, the girl in the red, or is the girl in the red dress this whole that's like separate scene? Halfway through, yeah, it's, right? it that's is way in later. It, but it, yeah. no, it is no, it's in, in the liquidation, in, but it's not the ending. We then, of course, see her red jacket later, and she's dead. Uh, yeah. Like like an hour or two later in the movie, yeah. right? Something that I, I mean, one, there's one aspect of this film that I I think is one of its most crucial strengths. It's this movie could you could not I don't think you could call it a document because it just isn't. You know, it is not a document. It is a fictional retelling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I really appreciate that Spielberg goes out of his way to build a timeline here of how Hitler was able to get the Jewish people from their positions in Mm -hmm. society 
into a concentration camp. Uh-huh. And it's that it was little by little. Mm-hmm. And the way that the movie opens with, not, not literally opens, but the first time we see this mass uh, forced exodus, uh, a diaspora, um, that's the right word, right? Mm-hmm. Um, of the Jewish people in Krakow is when like the the middle class people and the intellectuals like when mm-hmm. they are forced from their homes mm-hmm. and they moved into the ghetto mm-hmm. where if i'm not mistaken poor jewish people were already living and so like that's the first step is like get rid of all of the people who who you see as the biggest threat to you the people who have money the people mm-hmm. who have power the people who have minds mm-hmm. push them into the ghetto then it becomes normalized then everyone's in the ghetto and even the people living there learn to make the best of a very bad situation. And then the ghetto is liquidized. Everyone is moved into the concentration camp. And then from there, when they bring first them, into work camps, that's, that's what I mean. Yeah. That's what I mean. Thank, yeah. yeah. Thank you for correcting me. That is what I mean. But they're into the work camps. And then from there, once there are too many people in the work camps, that is when the executions begin. Mm-hmm. I mean, the executions are happening throughout, of course. Mm-hmm. But then that is how they eventually get put on a train to somewhere like Auschwitz. Mm-hmm. Not that Krakow is <laughs> a hell of a lot better. Right. But when you think about the Holocaust, for, like I'm not a historian. When I think about the Holocaust, I, I think that it ha- I mean, obviously this thing about history here is that it did not happen overnight, right? Right. But I just appreciate the way that he builds that timeline, mm-hmm. and I think that that is a very useful, and I won't say document, but just as a, he, he's a filmmaker and he builds a narrative there mm-hmm. about an entire people and totally. the way, yeah, and I think that's one of the movie's, like, top two or three strengths, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I agree. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it has to happen quickly because the movie is just so massive. Yeah. But it's just, like, really good economical storytelling, the way that it, mm-hmm. just, like, like, eating your diamonds, and putting your diamonds in bread and feeding them to your children so that the Nazis don't take them. I mean, the movie is rife with historical details like mm-hmm. that, that, that color the entire... And these are characters that we might not even see again later mm-hmm. in the film, but that he takes the time to go into their living rooms and show what really happened. Mm-hmm. Which sounds cheap, but it's true. Yeah, I agree. So, one of the best movies ever made. Mm-hmm. So glad Truly. to have watched it. And, you know, I kind of touched on this in the last episode, and it feels very crass or vulgar to even say, but this movie really moves on top of everything else. Like, it is extremely Mm -hmm. well-paced. It does not feel like over three hours. And again, this feels like the last thing you should be talking about with Schindler's List, but this movie is so impressively made yeah. like on every single level yeah um so that's what i mean like it's not just we're getting to i guess if you don't mind i'll segue us out of here with the segue that i brought us in it's like oh jane campion should have won oh but i know but like steven spielberg did this like oh yeah. you know what i mean like scorsese wasn't gonna direct it do you guys know that fact i knew that scorsese was. was gonna do it i knew um, that spielberg, spielberg had the rights wanted, spielberg wanted billy wilder to do it yes yeah um spielberg had the rights from like the early 80s and he just like sat on it was just like I don't know yet I'm not ready and then at some point in the early 90s he and Scorsese were like we'll each produce a movie that the other is directing and Scorsese was going to produce Cape Fear and Spielberg was going to direct it and Scorsese was going to direct Schindler's List and then like in almost at the point of pre-production, like very close, Spielberg was like, I have to do this and mm. I have to take this from you and you have to do Cape Fear instead of me. 
and then Scorsese was like, well, of course, if that's which what worked you want. out, yeah, because yeah. you know Spielberg is the one to tell Schindler's List, mm-hmm. and I love Scorsese's. Cape I Fear. think Scorsese's Cape Fear is the better than the original Cape Fear. I completely agree. A lot of people would disagree, and I think that's crazy. That's wild. I mean, it's it's. I feel the same way about the Coen's True Grit. Oh, I've never seen Scorsese's Cape Fear. Oh, it's that's so it, good. It is. It is a movie that feels dangerous to watch. Mm-hmm. Dangerous. You should give it. A- and it's quite look. scary. I mean, just the, the shot of Robert De Niro, like, on their fence, mm-hmm. like, on the 4th of July, I think. Mm-hmm. Just, like, the, the it, it, as far as home invasion movies go, in fact, maybe when we do Us, us. we should watch Cape Fear instead oh, of Funny Games, because I don't want to watch Funny Games. That's fair. That's fine. We can yeah. do that. Cape Great. Fear instead of... Instead of Funny, funny games. games. Oh, for the home invasion movies. Yeah. yeah. That sounds Hell yeah. But anyway, I so somehow, somehow Spielberg made Schindler's List and Jurassic Park... At the exact same time. He would go home exactly. to his hotel and look at cuts of Jurassic Park. Well, I believe he says it in the documentary, which now, of course, like, I want to rewatch the Spielberg documentary. Yeah. I, it's like, the De Palma documentary is so good. Mm-hmm. Like, it goes beyond him just, like, talking about the movies, whereas mm-hmm. Spielberg really is just kind of him talking about the movies. Yeah. Just, like, all De Palma is is him talking about the movies. He mm-hmm. is the only perspective, but it is... I don't know. There's something about it. It's been too long since I've seen it, but I think it like is next level. But Spielberg is really just like a basic DVD extra, mm-hmm. but it's great. And I've been wanting to rewatch Spielberg since I watched Hell Schindler's yeah. List. It was good. I enjoyed but, it. But yeah, but that's the moment. He's like yeah. shooting Schindler's List all day and then goes home and works on Jurassic Park at night. And that's sort of, that was his balance. So that's how right. he stayed sane. Yes. Yeah. Shall we move on to that film? That's, that, I'm trying to segue. That Jurassic highest, Park. The highest grossing movie of all time at that time. It is one of the greatest movies. After supplanting Spielberg's previous highest grossing movie of all time, E.T. Wow. How cool. Wow. Which beat Spielberg's previous uh, highest grossing movie, Jaws. No, it wasn't Star Wars. I there. know, but I'm saying like... Yeah, but not literally. I'm just like, saying that Spiel- E.T. held the record until Jurassic okay, Park. Okay, okay, no, you're right. I'm just saying that Spielberg's had a lot. Yes, yeah. he has. I think Jaws was the highest grossing yes, movie. Yeah, it was. Isn't that the whole thing? Isn't Just that, until isn't that Star why, Wars, though. No, for like two years. Yeah. It's like, that's why we're stuck in the blockbuster mm-hmm. culture we're in now. But you look back at Jaws and it's like, it is so antithetical. Like, no, I know. Blah, 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 blah. It's just so antithetical, though, to the types of studio movies that mm-hmm. come out now and that are right. now bankrolling the, yeah. the majors. Right. Totally. Not all the majors. Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. What I love about Jurassic Park it's an hour of Sam exposition mm-hmm. and character building mm-hmm. and then an hour of demolition. Well, yeah. I, I famously believe that Jurassic Park is the best movie ever made and it's not out of some like dumb Ghostbusters nostalgia. It is exactly that. Yeah. It tells its story so beautifully and so economically and it is mm-hmm. so structurally sound the way that it sets everything up mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel super obvious, yeah. but every character gets fleshed out exactly right, Ben, and then they are left to like flee across the yeah. game board. Mm-hmm. And then it is just high octane action filmmaking. Yeah. And I actually like the first hour more. <laughs> I don't know if I do, but. Well, it's like the second hour it's... is perfect action filmmaking. Yeah. But what I love about the first half is just the mechanics of the script. Yeah. And it is so satisfying to me and like a screenwriting <laughs> 101 level. Yeah. I think it is a perfect movie. It is. It is a perfectly written Every movie. character yep. has an arc. Mm-hmm. Everything is planted and paid off. Yep. All of the themes are developed by pushing the movie forward, not mm-hmm. by just chatting about it, yeah. even though they do chat about it. Um, it's a perfect movie. And it's perfect. the vibrations in the glass of water. Well, we have to talk about the glass of water. Is that whole one of the most enduring shots in the history of film. Yeah. He makes two of the most enduring movies 
in the history of film mm-hmm. in the same year. Yeah. They they are both clearly the work of the same person, but air quotes, they couldn't be more different. Mm-hmm. Is the water ripples that, that whole... When the T-Rex is just the, the wait. Is it the waiting in the car with the... Yeah. Yes. Like, where'd the goat go? Yes. That whole sequence yeah. is brilliant. Yeah. And it's brilliant. And then I fell asleep. Oh no! But like I've seen, oh, you know, seen I know. it. But I was watching when I was very ill. My right. roommate made a good point um, when I told her that we were doing this episode, and I said what we were watching, and she's like, "I, she's, I think, she, I think she was, she wasn't on a plane. She, she, somehow she was in front of a TV that was playing Jurassic World, and she made the point that like, it's never good when the movie you're watching is just reminding you of a much better movie." Yeah, like that's the problem. I mean, Jurassic World has so many problems, mm-hmm. but one of them is that it tries so hard to pay homage to the first Jurassic Park. Yeah. That you're just like, I would just rather watch that. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget when I walked out of Jurassic World and I was with my one friend, and that. and we were just like, fucking garbage, just ripping on it, ripping misogynist, on it. misogynist. Like, why did the babysitter have to get dragged underwater and like get the most gruesome death in the movie? Mm. And of all time, and. Uh, I was with this other group, and the one girl kept like kind of looking over at us. And is she, that Love Simon in that movie? Yes, yeah, it is Love Simon. And she sidles up and she's like, "I thought it was better than the original." <gasps> oh, I was like, "What the fuck <laughs> is wrong with you?" Oh my god, it was offensive. My eyes are saucers. <laughs> I would kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> I would kill myself in front of her. Yeah. Um, Laura Dern's denim in this uh, movie. Laura Dern's outfit is iconic. Mm. Instantly iconic. Yes. It's a big deal. Every, uh, uh, Newman. I li- oh, Newman. Newman. Newman, Newman fucking getting, everything Newman up. sprayed in the face. Uh, Dana Day-Lewis from the Age of Innocence can't mm. take anymore, just runs onto the island and <laughs> Newman runs into him. Mm. I love the way he was edging. Yes. He was edging. I love the way this spinning movie dinosaur. ends. Newman. This movie ends with just Everything's destroyed, and yeah. they're just like, gotta go. Get out. Later. And it just, get out. <laughs> air, just helicopters. And then they're the, out. And then the credits roll, like, on the helicopter. It's over. It's basically the ending of The Wife. The, yeah. <laughs> all, the shot of the T-Rex at the end in the museum. Oh, my God. And, and the, the banner. The banner. Yeah, the banner. Jurassic Park, whatever it is. It doesn't say when dinosaurs ruled the earth. When dinosaurs yes. ruled the earth. Yes. What I love about that scene, and I noticed it this time when I woke up for a moment to catch this moment. <laughs> I love that you didn't just turn it off. <laughs> no, I just kept running. Um, the characters, the human characters have laughed. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have you laughed. Know. And I was like, wait, what about the banner? And then he goes back in. Yeah. And it's just dinosaurs. And you see him rip apart the raptors and then the banner. Yes. And it's it's a, so uh, and it's a, great because it's no longer about the humans. I was going to yeah. say exactly that. It's no longer yeah. about them. It's when dinosaurs ruled the Let's also, what is also amazing is the sequence before the T-Rex in the main atrium, which is the Velociraptors in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. We can talk about Another the, iconic We can scene. talk about the tension. We mm. can talk about the nostrils of the Velociraptor uh. just breathing air, just spitting air mm-hmm. on, the, on the window in the kitchen. We can talk about the mix of practical effects, but... I was about to say, but yeah, I was actually going to say something else. But like, but we should talk about the mix with practical. <laughs> Great. This uh, movie I think does not look dated. Not a bit. No, not and for the a reason second. Why is because they blended together mm-hmm. the CGI and CGI practical. And, practical. I agree. and the practical moments are so scary. I yeah. still get chills. The hairs on my arm still raise when I'm watching the Velociraptors in the kitchen. Yeah. It is so terrifying, mm-hmm. and the creature design. And when the 
when the T-Rex first comes down next to the car window and goes, yeah. yeah. It's very scary stuff, it's Zero. Very scary. With the flat. Is that when the kid shines the light mm-hmm. in his eye and the, the pupil, the and eye like, changes? Yeah. I will say and they're that like, ah. it's classic. And I love, I love the moment of calm and brevity in the back mm. half. With the brontosauruses in the trees. Yes. Mm. That is the it's nice just, moment. It is, it is not, this is another thing that Jurassic World doesn't understand. When once all hell breaks loose in Jurassic World, it's just balls to the wall from start right. to finish. And this is the problem they with most They have the Marvel act- third act. It's the problem and- with most action movies now. Yeah, like everything just gets so marbled in your mouth. Like it is, you, you cannot form a word because right. there is so much mess there. Mm-hmm. Like Jurassic Park knows to have these moments of levity and calm. And this, of course, after Samuel L. Jackson has been eaten and like has the terrifying moment with his arm right. on Laura Dern's shoulder. Like it manages to balance out real terror with yeah. um with, with these moments of relief. And the trick in the middle is that this movie still feels so character driven and human throughout. It is an effects driven movie where you know every single character. Mm-hmm. And that's why the first half is so I think I had a crush on the nerd boy when I was little. Classic. When I was little, but... The nerd boy? In yeah. the beginning? Like the son? <laughs> yeah, the little boy. Because I was also that age and a Correct. nerd boy. I, I knew that's who you meant, but I was going to say, you mean the boy in the beginning? He was like, I don't oh, believe in dinosaurs. That kid. Duck the, face from Full House. I don't know if you guys are Full House scholars. Uh, not really. Am, no. But, but funny enough, I am a Fuller House scholar. Uh, I've seen every episode five wow. times. What? But, but I've never seen the original <laughs> series. You watch Fuller House? I've seen every episode five wow. times. Why? Because I think it's really important. And Did, I believe the boy from Jurassic Park is one of the members of Queen and Bohemian Rhapsody. Academy Award, oh, wait a Academy minute. Award winner. One of the boys from the boy, the nerd boy, is one of the is one of the members. Is of Queen. one of the bow rapists? Yeah. Oh boy, Brandon, I watched Fuller House in tandem. With SAG Twin Award nominee with Twin Peaks: The Return because they're both about the detritus of oh. nostalgia. Mm. Daniel, I can't tell if you're serious or not. Brandon, do I watch any television? Maybe. You don't Why watch any television watch except because Fuller, House. Watching Fuller House. Fuller <laughs> House. <laughs> Five times. Frankly, Four true. Seasons I mean, it's true. Fuller House. I love San Francisco. Any, anyone's like, Daniel, you want to watch an episode of Fuller House? I'm like, mm, yeah. <laughs> you got it, dude. Good one. Oh, my God, he is. I told you. What's his name? Simon Helberg? That's not. It's Joseph Simon, Simon Helberg is, is the guy from The Big he Bang Theory. Simon Helberg almost got an Academy Award nomination for Florence, Florence Foster, Foster. Fuck yourself. yourself. Mm. Florence Foster. Fuck yeah. What a moment. <laughs> you watching Fuller wow, House five times in a row. <laughs> Florence Foster. Fuck yeah. Fuller House. Fuck yeah. Should we move on to one last okay. thing? In the very big, be- I love the beginning of this film. The way that we are brought on to this grand adventure, just hanging out with some archaeologists. Mm. But the sound design is so good in this movie, especially the moment where Sam Neill, and I think Sam Neill should be our segue, just to suggest oh. him. Oh, um, no, because we have to close with the piano. Okay, we'll close with I the am piano. But, but look, here's the thing. Ben loves movies where Sam Neill gets cucked. I sure I, do. I have suggested, like, it is best in cuck form, but I think you can broaden this out even more, and it's just movies where Sam Neill is trying to keep control of his environment and losing. And then, like, Jurassic Park is involved, Hunt for the Wilder People is involved. I would say he gets actually Dead sexually calm. cucked in Jurassic Park, though. By if, Jeff Goldblum? Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I think that's accurate. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum's trying to fuck Laura Dern. But yeah. I love when and he... And she's down. She's totally down. <laughs> Hi, Linda. Linda just jumped on the uh, kitchen counter. When he takes the Velociraptor claw and goes up to that bratty little boy, he's like, I don't believe in dinosaurs. And he just like, quit. he's like, this thing would kill you with one swipe. And then just like switches it across his, uh, across his chest. And the sound design of like the is just so smart and yeah. is foreshadowing the danger. 
And it's just like I love I, I love non diegetic sound. Spielberg. Okay, you can tweet that from the Spielberg. Account. Good IMO. I was gonna tweet this one, but oh, you can blur that. You can blur <laughs> that out. Should we? So we can talk about grief um, in shortcuts or three colors blue. Ah. Uh. Let's go to Which let's we, go to shortcuts. All right, let's go to shortcuts. Let's go to the movie that I'm is t- somehow not the longest movie. Correct. On the at agenda. three hours and in, eight minutes, it is incredible. dwarfed by Schindler's Three Fifteen. Also mm. feels very brisk because of the shortcuts. My friend, <laughs> you get out of here. <laughs> Thank you. What did you say? I said it feels very brisk because of the shortcuts. Because <laughs> the short the shortcuts. Oh, that got me. Uh, my friend Anna, who's a programmer at AFI Fest, introduced this movie when they were doing Robert Altman retrospective, mm-hmm. which, by the way, we were here recording an episode for oh, Lady, Bird, Lady Bird, and you were all supposed to come with me to Shortcuts, and mm-hmm. I had to go by myself. Yeah. But she made a really interesting point in her introduction, I thought, which was that Shortcuts now feels so much less revolutionary. Like, it feels ahead of its time in that watching all of these disparate characters for over three hours, it feels like binging a television show. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I thought that was a really smart point. Yeah. yeah. The, like the, the, stru- the narrative structure of this film makes a lot of sense to us now, like uh, at contemporary viewers and that every character is just going about their life and like we're interweaving and bobbing out. But basically everyone is just having these small dramas mm-hmm. that like w- some of these stories are resolved 45 minutes in, you right. know, the way that the, the, the stories morph and change into one another. Mm-hmm. And then by the end, like everyone's scattered all over in different places. Like it feels like binging a season of, I'm not going to say Game of Thrones, but a show where that is an ensemble driven show where yeah. the characters are like pieces on a board. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a very good point. I agree. I think it is. Um, I love the 10 minute credits of this movie. Same. <laughs> with, with the, with the duster, the chemical dusters in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like we spend a couple of time with our characters and it's like, boom, 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 boom. Like, all over LA. Oh, yeah. It's very nineties. Very nineties. Very 1993. I love it. Hello. If you ask me. I think it works. Same. Can we talk about, I want to start with the ending. Great. Let's start at the ending. The rock to the head. Oh. Yes. Let's talk about it. Well. Daniel, I want you to talk about it. What do you want me to say about it? I don't know. I don't think that it's endorsement. <laughs> well, <No>. obviously. <laughs> I mean, I just think that's a, isn't that the final beat of the movie or no? It is Am not I the, wrong? It is not the final beat of the movie. It is built into the earthquake. Is that, is that. Oh, the earthquake. That, yeah. um, the earthquake. I feel is so. I feel so movie. bad because the actor has right. died. That when, when Chris Penn murders the, the the young the, woman. Right. Yeah. And there's a news report that absolves well, yes. him yes. that right. she died in the earthquake. Right. I think that it's getting at this simmering beta male thing that yes. that, that character yes. is dealing with the entire movie. Yeah. And if, he's being cucked he's by being, his wife. Yes. It's a phone sex opera. But here's, Jennifer the, Jason but here's the thing. Here's the thing. The movie is not saying that he should be feeling this way. Like mm-hmm. this movie is dealing with misogyny, toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. It is showing the ugliest insides of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also, I've always found it funny that Mark Maron calls this movie. He's like, I've always found this movie to be like a strangely uplifting celebration of life. Mm-hmm. And in a way I'm like, like, it, in in it, a lot of ways. In a lot of ways it is. Like it, it's, it's not celebrating Chris Penn murdering that woman at the end. Yeah. But it is, it's a, it's an epic film. It's over three hours long. Obviously, Altman thinks that this is something to be focused on for that long. And when you pass three hours, like, it's, it's something that the filmmaker believes you should be watching. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm sort of rambling. Um, 
I think that Shortcuts is a really ugly movie mm-hmm. that is punctuated with moments of joy and humor. And like I think about Lily Tomlin and Tom Waits and how fuck how Tom I believe yeah. Tom Waits molested his daughter or Lily Tomlin's daughter is what's. Uh, Do you think that's Lily implied? Taylor? I think it's implied that he's been that he has been inappropriate with her. Sure. Um, yeah. Um, but that the film still manages to find him. And I'm not saying the movie is absolving him, but this this complicated. It's like this complicated tango between like the worst impulses and then like just the, these moments of joy that make us human yeah. with him and Lily Tomlin like getting fucked up, which is bad mm-hmm. because they're like alcoholics and toxic for each other, but they have this love. Yeah. And when they're just like dancing with the maracas like during the earthquake, like I don't know. I just yeah. find I find the balance of that and frankly the imba- the imbalance of that to be what is so striking about this movie. Um so and that's ultimately where I li- where I loop back to Chris Penn is like he does that, and then we also have Julianne Moore and Matthew Modine and uh, Ann Archer, and I think Fred Ward yeah. is her husband, all like putting on clown makeup and like getting all their secrets out. Like, there's yeah. like uh-huh. all these disparate things going on, and some of them are really disgusting, and some of them are these moments of just pure. And they're having fun community. with people that they didn't think that they could have exactly. fun with. Exactly. Just like Green Buck. Just, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Don't talk about Green Buck on the All episode. <laughs> anyway, I mean, I think that moment is really disturbing. Yeah, but I also don't. I, that's, I think, but it's very memorable. And it, it is memorable. It's also towards the end of the very movie. Very striking. I, I, I'm more disturbed by no. I, I'm not more disturbed by, but I, I am also disturbed by the three guys on the fishing trip finding the dead body and yeah. then just tying her to the side of the oh, bank. Oh, I forgot about that whole yeah, part. And then Anna, how horrible Anna Archer, Anna Archer's reaction is phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, this movie is built on monologues that are mm-hmm. mostly delivered by women. Which I love, and I've ranked. I've certainly ranked the monologue. You bastard! You yeah. bastard! You bastard! There won't be any more birthdays. That, you bastard! That little boy is so cute. Oh yeah, he's one of the cutest kids that has ever graced the movies. Which kid? And he the get, kid who, the kid get we never, gets the kid get. Okay, it's twenty minutes into the movie. I thought you were gonna say the movie's thirty years old. Well, it is. Gets <laughs> hit by a car. By Lily Tomlin. Oh, right. The the, sorry, I will also watch this movie over a month in ago. In the long shots. Mm-hmm. So oh, Altman got a director nomination yeah. for this, oh, but not picture. I've got... Wasn't okay. that the only Oscar nomination? Was yeah. Best yes, because Best Director. Okay, so I've got, wow. my, I've got my Shortcuts monologues ranked. Let's hear it. But I first, I found this tweet that I, it's like, it's so gauche to like display your own tweets, but this is kind of funny. It's a conversation. It's a conversation between me and my therapist from November 2017. Me, Altman is so good. Therapist, OMG, the best. Me, shortcuts is my fave. Therapist, amazing. Me, <laughs> Lady Bird forced me to confront pinup issues around my parents. Therapist, no spoilers. Oh my god, yeah. I think it's funny. Okay, so I my- tweeted a, when the first time I saw this. Lily Tomlin did not win an Oscar for this movie, and then 23 years later, Donald Trump was elected president. <laughs> I'm not saying those two things are related. <laughs> I also, but I also, I also found that I said to Brandon in sep- on September 11th of 2018. Oh, oh. extreme Andy McDowell and Shortcuts voice. You bastard! <laughs> At what? You you sending me a face app of Albert Knobs? <laughs> we were in our Albert Knobs <laughs> era. Our, okay, bastard. So my top five monologues. And by the way, there are like you can have a million rankings. And frankly, it's <laughs> fucked up that I don't have Ann Archer in this. It's just oh. top five. Number five, Jason Jennifer Lee talking about sticking a Q-tip up a guy's urethra. Mm. Four, uh, Annie yes. Ross talking about Kansas City chick. The, mm. the, you, we know this monologue. Number three, Jack Lemon, mother sister. Mm. Oh, that mm. monologue. I was like, oh. When Annie, at the end of the Andy McDowell was like, 
I have to go. <laughs> oh. Number two, Andy McDowell, No More Birthdays. Uh-huh. You bastard. You bastard. Number one, come on. It's Julianne Julie. Moore. Have a go at it. Mm-hmm. Oh. Those are my top oh, five. The you ba- oh, when the guy you doesn't, bastard. He doesn't do the cake. Mm-hmm. It's Huey my Lewis, isn't it? My child is dead. Isn't it Huey Lewis? <clears throat> is that who it is? I believe it's Huey Lewis, Bob. I can't remember. Is I anyone liking my is. Linda photo? I just it's too Lewis. Okay, <laughs> we're recording a podcast. Post, you've already posted it? We're recording yeah, a podcast. Yeah, so it's like a fun thing. So no, when people see the, the image. we're in the middle of the podcast. Yeah. Um, so this is... Very, the, very meta. I have to say, I'm so upset because I have been so busy at work because we have a festival this weekend. By the time this mm-hmm. comes out, the festival will have happened. I have been pulling late hours. There was not three hours to watch Shortcuts and... If you if you had told me like one movie that I wanted to talk about on the podcast most, mm-hmm. it would probably be Shortcuts. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like sort of feeling like okay, we should really be thankful because if I had watched this right before we recorded, I would talk for 45 minutes straight about it. Well, but I do love the film. Same. Good film. It's very good. I don't good think we need movie. to. Ra- oh, I was just saying, I don't think we need to rank. I literally just gave like my ranked monologues. But what are every- everybody give like two or three of their favorite performances? Lily. Lily. Francis. Fuck yeah. Those are probably the ones that I would call out specifically. I would call out Lily, Andy, Julianne. I would call out Madeline Stowe, who's my best in show. Oh yeah. I would call out Andy. I would pull I would call out Mr. Lemon. If Francis had Francis is so good in the scene she's in. Mm-hmm. Um, if there was more Francis, yeah. she'd probably be up there for me. No, I know, but she's just so good in what she has. And I think mm-hmm. Lily Taylor is really good. She is. Um, I love that your log is one of my favorite lines in this entire movie. Uh, Give it a read. People in LA just do coke and talk. Hold yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like all this movie is. I hate LA. Everyone just does coke and talks. Which I think <laughs> Annie Ross says, the, yes. the lounge singer. Uh-huh. Um, and she's so just like over it. She's yeah. so strung out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mean, like, you you watch the scenes where Lily Taylor, Robert Downey Jr., Jennifer Jason Lee, and Chris Penn are, like, going out together. They're, like, doing coke. Ugh, they're getting wasted. They're getting wasted. Really hot in this movie. Mm-hmm. They're getting wasted. They're just constantly smoking cigarettes. I've tweeted before that to I want to start dressing like Robert Downey Jr. In, in shortcuts? Movie. Well, I think that you should. But, like, it doesn't look fun. What, he's the, dressing? No, 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 no. No, he <laughs> no, looks fun. The ensemble the, is fun. The hanging. But the four of them hanging out, it is yeah. so miserable. Yeah. And and oh and I think Tim Robbins is really good in this movie he's, as the piece of shit. He's cop. very hot in this movie, which is that, which is complicated because he's such uniform. a piece of shit. Yeah. But Madeline Madeline Stowe is my favorite performance in the movie. Um, That's fair. Mostly because I love I just love her scenes with Tim Robbins where she's just like emasculating him left mm-hmm. and right, and I love the scene with her, her and Jen, Julianne Moore like in the kitchen where they're having a beer. My fr- I, my friend loves the line where. Madeline Stowe and Tim Robbins like wake up and be- or no no they're like fucking and then their kids walk in mm-hmm. and they're like what were you doing and Tim Robbins just goes silly daddy sleeping on mommy yeah which is a funny line it's funny all right well we can move on quickly I just want to say I enjoy when uh, they get the wrong pictures oh so good and related to that I love when well, I guess I should explain it for people who haven't seen the movie maybe yeah it's quite um, real they Lily Taylor. <laughs> And uh, Buck Henry both are getting pictures developed at the same time. They're each given the other person's, and they're like a fake murder. Yeah, photo. Lily yes. Taylor's photos are of her seemingly abused and bloody by her makeup 
her makeup yeah, artist husband. The other point I was going to make is I love that scene in the context of the masculinity that this movie, and you think that she's been beat up, and she's like, oh my god, this has been taking so long. Just take the fucking pictures. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's funny. But so then... The Buck Henry photos are of the woman, <laughs> the dead body. That they in, just took pictures of. That they took photos of in the river. And then they both exchanged the photos back to the other person. They're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> and they don't know the other person's story. And I think that's very clever. It's very much what the movie is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I fucking, I mean, here's the thing. I'm still going to watch this movie in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, because it's on the brain. S- still for podcast homework, even though we will have recorded the episode. Mm-hmm. Fair. It's one of my very favorite it's movies. Fair. Yeah. Thank you for lending me your DVD. Well, my Let's pleasure. move on to my favorite Christoph Kieslowski movie. Yeah. Yes. One of my most favorite movies from high school. That Did I you like, watch the other White and Red? Not recently, but I have. Seen I haven't seen White and Red. Um, and it is true they are better taken as a whole. And that's is just, this Liberté? Yes. Yeah. She's liberated She's, from her family. She is. It is Liberté. Blue blew me away. Same. Brandon. I think it's thank you. <laughs> I think it's, it's the best boy. of the trilogy. Personally, a lot of people think Red is the best of the trilogy. I've heard. Yeah, is that I've heard a lot of, or Egalite. Mm-hmm. That's Fraternité. Okay, I've heard a lot of people say this one. No the one best. thinks Cynthia White Nixon is the best. Fraternité. The bummer about that is that it's Julie Delpy's. Movie. I know, and it's <clears throat> it's good. It's just not these the the first and the last are just amazing. I but I just love this movie. Fraternité. Yeah, Egalite. And I guess it's just that a movie about. A woman trying to pick up the pieces and move on with her life are more moving to me in a way than a young woman and an old man finding friendship, which is what Red is about. Um, but a lot of people do think that's the best one. And Juliet Binoche just going through it uh, in this mm. is just... It's so frank. It's so good. No movie has ever been made the way that this movie is made. Yeah. Like, on a shot-for-shot construction level. Yeah. Like... The fade in and fade out in the middle of the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten in. The, I've gotten used to listening to our podcasts from like two months ago ish. Why? Just to see how they've how they sound with some distance. Oh, interesting. Um, Rich, layered, complicated. We've like avoided most of our jokes on this episode, and it's kind of refreshing. Yeah. And I listened to the mule. Very good. Recently. I listened to the mule a couple weeks <laughs> Sorry. ago, or not a couple weeks ago, a couple days ago. What did you listen to? The mule. And you bring up the dissolves in Million Dollar Baby, and I say it's very Kieslowski. Yeah, there you go. Oh. That's what this—that's what I'm referring to. Mm. So I'm here. We are here. It I is. hadn't realized you were a fan of the pod. Mm, I know. Wow. Yes, this movie makes me feel pain. Same. <laughs> I there, there's a directness to Kieslowski's movies. I've seen about half the Decalogue, short film about killing, and this movie. Mm-hmm. They are all. For movies that are basically about ideas. So a short film about killing is exactly that. We are going to watch a man murder somebody, and then we are going to watch him try and run away from it, wrestle with his guilt, and then face the consequences. With the Decalogue, obviously, each one has been one of the different Ten Commandments. Like The themes are spelled out and direct, and they are just these frank depictions of it. So in this, it's obviously grief. It's Mm -hmm. liberté. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing. Liberté, fraternité, égalité. Like That's what the movie's about. But... There is something so unflinching about his gaze that I find striking. Mm-hmm. Um, but he manages... That sort of suggests that it's everything is on a fixed angle. Like, it's on, it's on always on legs. Like, mm-hmm. that it's very cut and dry. Yeah. Um, but the way that he bleeds this 
outstanding like visual poetry like that this is with Kislavsky you just think about the kaleidoscope right mm-hmm. um the way they're just the the strange places where he puts his camera mm-hmm. the trick of it is is the that dripping gasoline of the car yes that's so the, these poetic inserts you could mm-hmm. call them but what he he's able to both take like a wide angle view uh, not literally a wide angle of the movie but like a wide angle view of the theme of the issue of the very human experience or emotion that he's exploring mm-hmm. but because of these atypical ways these atypical places that he puts his camera in the hands of a lesser filmmaker certainly not the case he's able to also put you inside the character's head mm-hmm. and i just think that is such a stunning piece of magic yeah that 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 they should these these are essay films in a lot of ways and yeah. yet they feel intensely personal mm-hmm. they're they, they they zero out from the issue and they're very didactic in that way like mm-hmm. like they sound like they'd be very didactic rather and they're very unsubtle they are that i guess that's what i mean yeah. uh yes but at the same time they are tremendously subtle in the complex human emotions that yeah. are being worked out within this very cut and dry theme mm-hmm. so i thought it was amazing i think it's an amazing movie yeah it moves i me. was moved um, I was moved by Juliet. I was moved by her blue chandelier. Oh, oh yeah. I love how much I'm, blue there is in this movie. I know. Could you imagine a movie called Blue with so much blue? Brandon Kirby. I love when, when she's in the water. What? Have you emptied the blue room? And they're like, yes. And then she goes in and the chandelier is still there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, but then she hangs it up later. She does. Yeah. When hangs up in her down. new place. What do you guys think about those baby mice? Oh, I was uh, just going to bring up the mice. Which is like... Emmanuel Reba. Let me borrow your cat. That's a man. I know that's Emmanuel Reba. I didn't double check. Oh, is it? Her mother is definitely. Yeah, her mother is Emmanuel Reba. Oh my god. And here's this is what I'm talking about. I've Emmanuel Reba is credited young. as the mother, la yeah. mère, like la médecine, la copiste, right. la flutiste. Like yes. three characters have names. Like mm-hmm. there's something so biblical about it, or yeah. I shouldn't say biblical. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but like. You know, I don't even know the word for it, but it, they, they feel like parables. It's parable. There we go. It's a parable. Um, but when when she's like, "Was I scared of mice?" and she's like, "No," um, that was that. Yeah, but she said that was. That ju- was she says that was Julie, who is who Julia Pinoche. Yeah, because she's confused. it's good shit. It's good she's shit. Old. It's, it's good. It's a very good shit. Movie. Ultimately, it's good shit. Yeah. Ultimately, I need to watch White and Red now. Yes. Ultimately, you do. I do too. They're Thank you. very good. Kinslaus, I I feel personally offended and hurt by Kieslowski's death. Um, I'd like to hear about it. Which was just a couple years after these movies came out. And I mean, I didn't discover them until 10 years later and he was already dead, but I was just like, I want more. And you've already watched all the Decalogue. Yeah. I just want You've watched them all. I haven't watched uh, The Double Life of Veronique. Oh, yeah. I still have yet to watch one. You have one left. What about that one that's called like... Did he do Blind Chance? Like that doesn't sound familiar, but that doesn't mean I don't I don't know all of them. Well, I'm here to tell you. Do you guys think about the knuckles on the brick? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because this is probably TMI, but like, Bring don't on, you ever baby. just want to do that? I've never. Don't you done ever it, just do shit I, just to like to feel pain? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And well, that it, that it, was very like oh fuck the <laughs> externalization of her inner pain is yes and and, and and that it's by choice to yes. pull it out the choice uh, is what's when happening. she gets out the lollipop mm. and she chomps it down because yep. she can't stand it's it. it's very Tony Collette and Little Miss Sunshine energy yeah but yes <laughs> it's like when she's just sitting alone 
I like when she spies on her neighbors, um, mm-hmm. when the next door neighbor is going in to sleep with the girl who everyone thinks is loose. And mm-hmm. then maybe it's his wife or maybe it's someone else, but someone is going around door to door, getting all the residents in the building to sign a petition mm-hmm. to kick this hussy out. Yeah. She's like, it's none of my business. Yeah. She's like, we need every signature. She's like, get out of my ass. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is interesting. In terms of Metascore, Blue has the lowest with an 85. Mm. Oh. White has 88. Oh. And red has 100. Well, isn't that fascinating? Very fascinating. Well, we're very close here. To the end? To, we're very close to the end. How have we, have we reached the final? Oh, an hour and a half. We're doing oh. okay. Have we reached the final film? Let's talk about the other Sam Neill gets cocked movie. Yes. Probably not. Probably certainly the best Sam Neill gets cucked movie. I would, oh, the yeah. proto the urtext yeah. of Sam Neill. Get, Sam Neill got cucked twice in Sam one year. Yeah, yeah. But it is the wouldn't Ur- the urtext be possession though? Oh yes, he's cucked course. by a demon. That's very true, and I take back what I said. I still gotta see that. My new favorite thing is using the word urtext incorrectly on the podcast. It is the best anyway. Yes. Uh, although possession so. gets points because. His wife is uh, having sex with a tentacle demon. Mm. Yeah. And they literally will have sex with anyone but Sam. I love Ben and I saw Possession sex. together. That's right. You didn't love it. I didn't. Yeah. But I do, it has stuck with a certain aspect yeah. of it. The things that I liked when I saw it, I still like. I still think one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a movie is when they meet in the cafe, like 20 minutes into the movie, after she's like, I can't be with you. Mm-hmm. They won't even look at each other. And then she runs away. And then he chases after her. And they're just like knocking over all these chairs and like oh, jumping yeah. over shit. And it's like, again, like beta male rage. Mm-hmm. Um, he's getting cucked. But just like... He's getting cucked. That was sort of the moment I fell in love with that movie. Just the maximalism of it in yeah. such a... Like in a cafe. You know, yeah. it's not Ken Russell. Like it's, it's not like the high priestess. And, right. The devils, like mm-hmm. in, in that enormous court. It's not the orgy in the cathedral. It's mm-hmm. just like in a Eastern European cafe. Yeah. And they're knocking over everything in sight. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's good. I, I would like to see it. Oh, you never Brandon, seen you it? Brandon, you would love Possession. I think you would. I, I know. It's one of those that's escaped me, but I know like once I sit down to watch it. They I'll just played it at it. the New Highland Park. Um, not to get too regional, uh, <laughs> not to get too regional about it, but the, really? the new Highland Park Repertory Theater. Which is playing the image book. I think I would like it more knowing what I'm getting myself into. I mean, yeah, the more yeah. outlandish things are what I liked about it, but like I was kind of bored for some. It's like, scenes from a marriage. Yeah, there's a lot of on quiet mushrooms. moments. Yeah, scenes from a marriage on mushrooms, which is such a we all hate when people are like, "It's this on acid," but it mm-hmm. is scenes from a marriage on mushrooms. That is the accurate. Mm-hmm. This meets this. What is the, the piano? piano? The piano is a Tell film us. about a mute woman. If you tend from to Scotland, who has been married off by her father to a New Zealander. This is not my speaking voice. I have not spoken since I was six years old. I shouldn't be laughing. Why am I laughing? It's not funny. It is as we imitate it. (laughs) Um, It's about Holly Hunter is a mute and her daughter, Anna Paquin, and she has been married off to Sam Neill in New Zealand. She goes to the great outback of New Zealand. And she's on the beach. And then with her possessions. She is on the beach at night alone. She alone is. Again. Truly. She's well, she's not alone, but right. she's alone with Anna Paquin. Mm-hmm. Don't you love their little seashell road mm-hmm. they build on the beach together? Mm-hmm. When Anna Paquin's running along tangled twigs. Mm. Well, it's more like giant roots, but. I love when they're like humping the trees. <laughs> 
And then Sam Neill's <laughs> like, Sam that's uncouth. Like, like, don't do that. And he, then she washes He makes her the wash the tree. And he's like, missed a spot. <laughs> Washing a tree because you humped it. <laughs> I think a lot of the contrasts in the piano are fascinating. I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking about the seashell road. So like the, the night that Anna Paquin and Holly Hunter arrive in New Zealand where they're supposed to be met in her piano and all of her, piano. all of her earthly possessions are supposed to be trekked up in very Aguirre fashion, like mm-hmm. through the wilderness to get to the house. No one shows up, yeah. so they just have to like build this little, have to build a camp for the night out of a petticoat. Out of a petticoat, exactly. A petticoat with a candle inside of it. So it's mm-hmm. just this like it looks like this lantern that's like washed up to sea. But they have placed all of these seashells and like beautiful like mussel shell like spirals almost mm-hmm. like all over the beach and they build this beautiful little world and then where they go after that where everything is muddy and it's just like wooden planks that like yeah across the stink and yeah i just i i think that she's doing a lot of fascinating things with contrast in this movie yeah. and of course there's a fairy tale element to the piano mm-hmm. as well yeah um but it's also a parable like yes uh, in a way yes and she they can't fit the piano in their house so it goes to harvey Keitel's house and she still wants her piano because it's her piano. It's how she feels liberté. That's mm. how she's able to communicate with the world. It's her most favorite thing. So she secretly starts going to play the piano at Harvey Keitel's. Giving him lessons. And then... <laughs> ben is doing raising eyebrows. his eyebrows. And then he's like, I would like to see it. <laughs> I think it exi- And then she's like, no, I would like to also no, see I believe it. No, no, no. Exactly what first. he says is, there are things I would like to do while you play the piano. Correct. That is the <laughs> quote. She's like, it's a piece of fabric. And she's like, what? <laughs> what <laughs> What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? And he's like, I want, to, I want to eat your pussy while you play the piano. I can't comment Does on that. Does that happen? Yes. <laughs> Brandon scandalized. This mm. movie is so sexually provocative. I can't mm-hmm. believe it was nominated for so many Oscars. I know, I know. it's I, it. It really is surprising. It right? still is provocative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Twenty seven years later. Or yeah. Imagine if this Holly came out in twenty eight. Plays with Sam Neill's ass. I, love I mean, that. the and, 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 favorite and, 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 is tame compared to this. I would have to agree with that. Yeah. It's lit. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Jane Campion. It's a little. I mean. It crosses the line of, is this assault? Yes. But she is also into it. Yeah. She there accepts. Like, yeah. She receives it. Yeah. And reciprocates she, it. She doesn't take shit mm-hmm. so much throughout this movie. And of course, Harvey Keitel is thick in this movie mm-hmm. and big yeah. and could 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 physically pin her down, mm-hmm. um, not to be too crass about it. He doesn't. I'm not saying that like makes him a hero or anything, but mm-hmm. she... She, the character, clearly knows how to stand up for herself. Yeah, she, yeah, she's she's somewhat into it. Yeah. I'm not not automatically, right? But she falls in love with Baines. Mm-hmm. You know, it becomes a love story. It, yeah. It's this movie's many things, yeah. and and that element is one of them. Yeah, I think it's so moving when she is willing to destroy her piano before to send him this note. Oh yeah, yeah, on the key, and that's when Anna. Paquin, she done fuck up. Anna Paquin like fucks up a couple times in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> she like runs to her dad. Yep. I mean, she's try. I think Anna. I think I think that um, Flora is trying to make it work. I think she wants yeah. everyone to be happy, mm-hmm. and she just wants peace. She's a child. She wants she wants everything to be 
She yeah. does not understand male rage yet. She also does not understand love, and she doesn't under all she knows is like that her mom is not supposed to talk to Baines. Mm-hmm. She, yeah. she, she saw them very in bed together. Yeah, but she doesn't right know that they were having sex. Right. She, she her brain, her brain is too small. Right. She couldn't possibly understand. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that's another fascinating element to the movie. Yeah. Just like the way that Flora and her mother are thick as thieves, mm-hmm. but then ultimately she tattles. Yeah, yeah. and then. We lose a finger. Then we lose a finger. Which is where I think you get like this fairy tale element, yeah. like bringing it back to the shadow play, which is mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. This is such a strange movie. I've it o- is. This is only the second time I've seen it. Um, and that's, I find it bewitching and transfixing and mm-hmm. dark and rich and layered and complicated and deep. But it's, it's not like an easy watch for me, which no. I love about it. Yeah. It is thorny um, mm-hmm. and, and problematic. Yeah. Uh, or, or But like, or by problematic, I mean like Jane Campion is tiptoeing up to a line and crossing it. And it's provocative is what yeah. I mean to say. Um, and I love. Yeah, please. That when the piano's going over. She sticks her foot. She, without hesitation, is going to kill herself yeah. and leave her daughter. Which I'm not sure I caught the first time because mm-hmm. it's such a quick cut. Yeah. When she puts her foot when out. She, when she just, yes. Yeah, yeah she goes and she's going to go. She, well, she's anticipate. She wants to die with the piano. Mm-hmm. It's not even like the choice is to let the piano go. She anti- she plans to right. drown. She plans to die connected to that motherfucking piano. Yeah. And then she makes a decision to live. Right. Which do we think is real? It's a good question. Yeah. Because of the last shot of the movie. She's. What's the last shot again? It's she's her dead the in the sea. water. I think of those times with my piano. Oh, under the sea. it's if so that still. whole that whole coda could yeah. be not Fantasy. real with her metal finger. I think it's real. I think the me- I do too. The metal finger is the detail that makes me think it's real. Mm. I feel like if it was fantasy, she'd have her fingers again. Mm. You know, who it's it's like it, it, not like to the end of Titanic. Not to be straight about it, mm. but to bring up the U.S. office, there's the moment when someone says to Rain Wilson to Dwight, or mm. someone's like, "What's your dream job?" And he's like, "I make fifty thousand dollars." Like in your dream job, you make fifty thousand dollars, and that's how I feel about the end of this movie. I'm like, if it's Holly Hunter just like dreaming of what her life would have been, like really your best case scenario, you still lost your finger. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> True. Yeah. I think it's for real, which makes it. I, I think that she's dreaming of being dead with her piano. Yeah. Honestly, her piano probably. Is dead. Probably. Yeah. She thinks about that piano sometimes. Mm-hmm. She thinks about being dead. I love the Same. score to this movie. It's one of uh, the most beautiful scores. The of score all time. was an international phenomenon. Was it? Yes. Really? The, the soundtrack sold millions of copies. What? what yes. It was, wasn't even nominated for the Oscar. This movie is such a fascinating, mm-hmm. like... It's a very fascinating little curio. Yeah. It's just like... Like, the number of Oscars that this got nominated for. And it won three. It yeah. won both acting Oscars and, mm-hmm. uh, and Best Screenplay. screenplay. That's As it wild. should, because the story is constantly evolving in this in a way that yeah. we love on this podcast. Mm. That's wild. So it's delicious. When Anna Paquin gets sprayed with blood oh, from her yeah. mother's Big favorite energy. fingers, uh, and yeah. she screams. <laughs> I like when I thought of Ben when she runs up to the camera and it's like, "Where are you?" She's like, "This is hell." <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite moments yeah. of this movie. <laughs> Mood. Big Anna one. is very good. Mm. Should we end on that? On the "This is hell." Yeah, we could talk about the cinematography, but actually, I do. Well, I'll, I'll say it at the end. But yeah. Okay. This is hell. (laughs) This is hell. This has been another episode of Movies IML. Wow. 
My name is Ben. Oh, I don't know how to do the goodbyes anymore. <laughs> you can follow us on iTunes and rate and review and subscribe and give us five stars and tell us. Follow us tell on us. Spotify and, and <laughs> follow us on no, Spotify. No, we're not on Spotify. Follow us on Stitcher. <laughs> Spotify on can still Google Venmo Play. Five dollars. Yes. Um. Tell us. Tell us. Whose blood do you want to be sprayed with? What's your favorite movie from 1993? Oh, that's actually a good prompt. Where would you have inserted a Jean Dielman joke in oh. this episode? <gasps> we didn't do it. You I, know, I need to go. No, I'm not going to do it. It's too late. I'll just say, I don't always want to be the one doing it, but I understand that I'm the one thinking about it. It's become your bit. It's become my bit. And you know what? I'm really tired. Fair. And I just couldn't. I was going to say... It's Laura Dern in Jurassic Park. Well, she has to do it her damn self. What I was going to say was, I was going to say in Jurassic Park, that that T-Rex, when oh. he ripped down that banner, left quite a mess oh. for Jean Dielman to mm. clean up afterwards. That's good. That is, that is good. That's hot. My name is Ben Empey. You can find me on Twitter at Real Todd Haynes. My name's Daniel Crook. You can find me on the internet at Daniel Crook with three O's. And my favorite shot... It's not my favorite shot on the piano, but I love the shot at the end when... They are shipping out to sea, and you have to think about like how long they had to wait to reset the shot every time. And as all of the men push the canoe into the water, it just draws this line through the sand mm. into the water, and it is just this beautiful composition. And I just, it, it's so simple. Yeah. You know, I just love the way she is painting in real time, Jane Campion, and she's doing it with a Ooh, fucking canoe. Jane. And it's, it's, she's painting in real time. Mm-hmm. Good movie, IMO. Yeah. I'm Brandon Kirby. You're going to find me on Twitter at BK Kirby. What are we talking about next week? Next ben. week. Next week. We will be talking about Neil Jordan's Greta, starring Isabelle Huppert and someone else. Rude. I, I don't hate her. I do. Yeah, why do you hate her? Have you watched the movies? <laughs> I've Have you watched movies. her on 30 Rock? Yeah. She's great on 30 yeah. Rock. It's her best performance. I think I enjoy everything she's in. Well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Many people enjoy her. <laughs> I think that I don't like that her big breakout role was Kick-Ass, which is a movie mm. I loathe. Mm. I, find, I like Kick-Ass. I, I find it fun. morally... Oh, phew. Same. I find as, a, <laughs> as a straight person. I mm. find Kick-Ass to be repellent, mm. personally. But I just like... I hate that like that's like the breakout role for her. Like... I feel but like it, she was miscast what was the for role, a long What time. was the role after that? I'm just saying she was like the, probably Kick-Ass too. I don't know. She was just like remember. she was just like the 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 murdering little girl, like this precocious, mm-hmm. like foul-mouthed little girl, mm-hmm. and it was just cheap. You can't. Everyone can't be Tatum O'Neill and Paper Moon. True, but I like Chloe Grace Moritz, and I think she's good in Suspiria. So what? Let me Sue in. Me. Oh, and then Hugo. I think oh, she's right. good in Hugo. And then she oh, took off from I do there. Not think Carrie. She's good in Hugo. I think she's good. Laggies, I which she's... I just watched, was the, was the which worst. Which you did not like. Holy shit. And we love Lynn Shelton. We love Lynn Shelton. Lynn Shelton, very important detail, did not write. Laggies. Well, that's very important. Oh. And the script is what's atrocious. Oh, and Kira Knightley has no idea what she's doing. Oh, I believe it. Anyway, wow. sorry. We will also be watching. <laughs> yes. La Ceremony, starring Isabelle Huppert as a murderer. Our first Claude Chabrol film yes. on the podcast. And we will also be watching The Crying Game, Neil Jordan's 1992 phenomenon that won him an Oscar. How do you feel about that, Ben? I do not like that movie. I do not like it one bit. And I can't wait to excise some demons. Well, Ben, for that opinion, 
Thank you. You're welcome. The winner is Jane Fonda. Thank you. Thank you very much, members of the Academy, and thank all of you who applauded. There's a great deal to say, and I'm not going to say it tonight. I would just like to really thank you very much. <laughs>